and welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotelus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus. Augustus thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading my notes and got confused. From Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode... Ooh, how should we do this? 101? 101? Yeah, I think Sounds 101. good, doesn't it? It sounds cool. Episode 101. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is actually ranking our 100th emperor today. Oh, it is? Because <gasps> of Bacchus Groundus. <gasps> so he's our 100th emperor. No pressure, Justinian II. Yes. We have Justinian II. That's who we, we have. Mm. Although, before we start today's episode, I, the end of last episode, Jamie, yeah. I feel I feel we had a bit of an argument, and it's it's been playing on my mind. Well, you, you're not returning my calls. I know. It's the first time I've seen you in three weeks. <laughs> we we disagreed with who should have Jeanne Caesar. We did. Well, whether Constantine IV should have it or not. Yeah. And uh, you said he should, and I disagreed, and the coin agreed with you. Yeah. I hate to say this, what? and I'm only going to do it once. What? But you may be right. Sorry, what? Can you say that again? <laughs> no, did it. I did it. I did it. I just didn't quite hear what you I'm, said. I may have, whilst editing, have yeah. started to come round. And then there were some people who agreed with me on oh, Twitter and Facebook. But most people agreed with you. And then I think what really swung it was today at work, one of my colleagues <laughs> walked past me, yeah. pointed at me and just went, Jamie was right. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely deserved Jenna Caesar. Brilliant. I was like, ah. Oh. When people in real life are, are, are saying this to me. It's true. Yeah, shout out to Pete, by the way, one of our listeners. Oh, hi, who, Pete. Who also works with me. It's nice having someone in real life listening. It's oh, it's good. like a, a real critiquer or a critic. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so fine. And he did get it, so... Yeah, so... Just goes to show, Jupiter knows best. That's true. So, Justinian II, then. So, I'm guessing this is Constantine IV's son. Yes, yes, it is. Well done. All right, that's me, then. Do you want a bit of a recap? Yeah, go on. So, last episode, we looked at Constantine for how he pushed back the Muslim forces under Muawiyah. Remember the big siege, four-year-long yeah, yeah, siege? Yeah, five, yeah, five years. Five years. With, with the flamey death. Yes, flamey death, Greek fire. Um, yeah, Andrew was there. It burns us! Yeah. Uh, then uh, Constantine was defeated by the Bulgars because he went off to have some executive time at the wrong moment. He really did, Yeah. yeah. Uh, should be noted, though, at this stage, you bring up the siege, the five-year siege. Mm. One of our listeners, Philip Binns, who, who knows his stuff... Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, he definitely does. Uh, he sent me a link to a discussion that was taking place over whether the siege actually took place or not. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There is a credible theory that the siege took place earlier, perhaps just after Constantu's death. Ooh. And uh, it didn't last years, it just lasted months. And, yeah, interesting. I, I, I did some actual research instead of just reading books. Wow. Uh, I've got access to you mean Birmingham. Wikipedia? No, no, Birmingham University's library. Oh, okay. Uh, I was reading journals and stuff, like, like cutting-edge wow. stuff for historians. Yeah, rather than just a, a book that I'd got. It was, it was interesting. It's all linked to this idea that uh, Muawiyah actually ordered the assassination of Constance II. So okay. he ordered the soap dish murder. Yeah. And then there was a siege. Um so yeah, jury seems to be out whether this theory is true, um, especially the Muawiyah assassinating Constance theory. But it really does highlight that in this period we are doing, uh, all we really know for certain is that the Roman Empire may well have existed during this time. <laughs> Everything else is a bit hazy. There's probably people there. Yeah. Might have been an emperor. Yeah, exactly. So, so w what we did is we covered what is generally accepted as what happened. Yeah. Uh, but just know there are some some historians starting to think otherwise. 
Ooh, some yeah. turncoats. Some <laughs> yes. rebels. Rebel historians. Oh, they sit like... there in their historian office wearing yeah. leather jackets. Smoking inside. Yeah, they don't care. Wearing sunglasses. They're inside. They're inside. Dark inside. They're still wearing sunglasses. They do all sorts of outdoor activities inside. Hiking. Excavating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just digging holes in their office floor. Exactly. Still haven't found anything, though. No. But they're rebels, damn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Philip, for sending that link. That that was interesting. Anyway, on to today's episode, because we have Constantine IV's son, who is the great-great-grandson of Heraclius. Oh. This dynasty's doing well. I do, yeah. Let's hope nothing happens to it, shall we? <laughs> oh. <laughs> because we are doing... Justinian Rhinotmatos, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Rhinotmatos. It's also with nose. What's come up a lot recently. Oh, nose cutting off. Yes, this is Justinian. Different translations here. Justinian slit nose. Oh, okay. Justinian with the cut off nose, which was the worst translation. I mean, it's it's very literal, but it's just a bad translation. No one went with my favourite. I'm going to call him Justinian no nose. Oh. <laughs> which I just think sounds better. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, that might give you a clue <laughs> of where his story is heading. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's quite... Ugh. There's only two Justinians. One is Justinian the Great. Yeah. And the other's Justinian No-Nos. Right. So, should we see how he does? Yeah, let's see. <laughs> let's see if he gets a Gene Caesar. Okay, well, we don't know where he was born. Good start, one of <laughs> Most likely in the capital, but it's not written down anywhere. He was born to the purple. Purple touched, I believe we called it last time. Just like <laughs> his father had been. Dates are hard to pin down, but possibly 668 was his date of birth, the same year that his father became sole emperor. So his dad must have celebrated in style then. Oh yes. Well, this is just after Constantine IV had uh, finally come out of his yeah. room and met his new wife. Oh, oh of course, yes. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. So yeah, Constantine IV, Justinian's father, is about 17 at this time, and his wife Anastasia, presumably a similar age, as we discussed last time. Now, it's interesting that Justinian is called Justinian. He is the eldest son, as far as we can tell, but he's not given the family name. Yes. No one in the family is called Justinian. His younger brother was called Heraclius, which was the family name. Do you think it was done, like, all this, he was an amazing emperor, let's name you after him? Quite possibly. Sort of thing. You know yeah. when, like, when parents call their kids, like, I don't know, Ozzy, after Ozzy Osbourne, or... Do they do that? Probably do. <laughs> okay. Just anyone famous. <clears throat> yeah, anyone that, famous. That could backfire. It um, could, yeah. Ah, Pol Pot. <laughs> Go and clean your room. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe a bit like that. Maybe Constantine IV was a fan. We know that Justinian grew up to be a fan. He he liked the fact he was named after the first Justinian. Well, that makes sense. So he's got a young dad, teenager, posters in his room of Justinian. Yeah, yeah. Who, you can't keep eye contact with when he's, you know. <laughs> no, he had to turn his posters around. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the posters helped. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Good job they were laminated, that's all I can say. So anyway, if he had any sisters, uh, we don't know about them. Uh, but there is Justinian and his younger brother, Heraclius. Okay. Now, Justinian would have been given a, a typical education for a prince. A focus on history and religion would have been paramount. By this point, the Heraclius dynasty had been around for about 60 years. That's quite a lengthy time. It's not bad, although I must admit, considering we're on the great-great-grandson, it's not as impressive as I thought it would be. Young deaths. 
Yeah, there's been young deaths, and um, Constantine Three B lasted a matter of months. <laughs> He's terrible. Yeah. So, um, but still, it's long enough for the Heraclean dynasty to be firmly entrenched in Constantinople. So there are people like almost almost everybody alive would have just only known them as the family. Pretty much, yeah. yeah apart from the really old people, and that they, they'd have a vague memory of their childhood, of uh, back when Focus was around. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's like us in the Windsors, isn't it? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, we can just about remember Victoria, um, but yeah, it's hazy. It's becoming hazy. Yeah, I remember. I vaguely remember a coronation. But... So it's a good good bet that the deeds of the great Heraclius would have been taught to Justinian. Look what your great great grandfather did. He won Genesis R, top scorer, beat Aurelian. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm going in that direction as well. What about you, little Justinian? Do you think <laughs> you'll get that? Oh, I hope I will. I hope nothing unfortunate happens. <laughs> I hope I'm well remembered as much as I hope I keep my nose. <laughs> At you. Oh, bless me. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. Uh, like I've already mentioned, he also most likely learnt uh, more of Roman history, such as what Justinian the First got up to. Yeah. Yeah. Getting people. Taking back land. Invading. Building things. That yeah. massive church that everyone keeps going into and looking up, looking nervous. <laughs> Justinian built that. Yeah. What are you going to achieve, little Justinian? Nothing. <laughs> no one knows. Badum. Anyway, then the siege happened when he was about five. Yeah. Or it didn't, as mentioned earlier. But we're going to keep the siege in the same place. Yeah. Because uh, we, I like we're it. We're consistent. There. Yeah, we're consistent. With ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to say the siege happened here. Uh, when Justinian was about five years old. So it's unlikely he would have really known what was going on to begin with. But he would have been reaching about ten by the time the seasonal siege was lifted. That's very cool. Yeah. He grows up with all this sieging going on. Yeah. It would have been a constant in his life. Uh, and then he would have celebrated with everyone else when they finally gave up and left. Yay! Yay! Think it's happening. Everyone's happy. Don't know why. Yay. Exactly. That's where Jeff set off the uh, fireworks, which was actually the Greek fire. They oh. had to spend the whole night putting the fire flames out. Yeah. Ooh, so he yeah. probably would have helped out with that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. At some point during his childhood, he would have also seen his two uncles be accused of plotting against his father. Oh, that's where he uh, he cuts their nose off, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Yeah, he does. Now, obviously, we have no idea if Justinian II was present whilst his uncles had their noses cut off. But for our story, he was in the room, watching. Yeah. And thinking, oh, that looks horrible. That looks... I, if there's one thing in the world I hope, it's that that never happens to me. I've got one wish, just one wish, <laughs> for that not to happen. That's you! Now, in the last episode, I placed the nose cutting off at the start of Constantine IV's reign, mm. uh, but some historians place it later. So if that's the case... Justinian II would definitely have been old enough to appreciate what was going on. <laughs> um, yeah. Then in 681, perhaps to fill the space of the uncles, Justinian was then made co-emperor at the age of 12, 13. No, that's going to boost his ego, isn't it? This was fairly standard back then. Yeah. You didn't really go for the Caesar thing. It was more a case of co-emperors until they ruled by themselves. So it's just a way of saying Justinian II is now definitely the heir. Cool. Yeah. And the only other thing we know about his childhood is that one day, when he was a teenager, he had his hair cut. Yeah. There's nothing more to that story. It's just... Oh. No, no, there is. There's a reason why we know this. He had his hair cut along with his brother Heraclius, and yeah. then his father sent the two locks of hair to the Pope. Weird. Bit weird. <laughs> Strange that the Pope's asking for that kind of thing. It's a bit odd. Send me the hair from your young boys. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay, then. Or maybe it was a surprise. Oh, present from the Emperor. 
What? 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 What's this? It's hair, sire. No, it's hair. But who's 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 hair? It says here it's his son's hair. Well, what does he want me to do with that? <laughs> we could frame it, sire. <laughs> Apparently this was a spiritual adoption made by the Pope. You you take a bit of their hair and you you're now you've now adopted their their souls almost. That's weird. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I've not come across this anywhere else. But apparently this was fairly common. Apparently there's evidence of people in in the Frankish Empire doing this around the same time. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It's so just it's... something that we know happened in his childhood. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Bit weird. So there you go. That's his childhood. He lived through the siege. He watched his uncles be mutilated, and he got his hair cut. It's quite ex. Oh, it's yeah. Is it exciting? It's not the best childhood. There's probably other stuff that we, yeah. which has just been lost to time. That's a shame. Yeah, it probably wasn't just those three events. <laughs> uh, That'd but... be really boring. Like, <laughs> yes, it would. And then in six eight five, Constantine IV suddenly died. He did. He did, leaving a 16-year-old boy in charge of the Empire. Nice. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You'd just... You'd go mental. You think he's going to go mental? No, I would. Do you think he will? No, I don't think he will. Or does he? You're not giving anything away, are you? No. So carry with the episode and we'll find out. Okay, then. Right, well, we've got no record of his coronation, but it would have probably taken place in the Hagia Sophia, because that's where they all did. Yeah. Unless the dome had fallen down that week. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bring your umbrellas, guys. (laughs) Soon after, he took a wife. Took. That's possibly how it was done as well. (laughs) Yeah. After all, uh, it wasn't the done thing to have a single emperor on the throne. He needed an emperor and his wife. So uh, we know next to nothing about Eudocia, the woman that was chosen. She's not mentioned in any of the sources, but her tomb was found. So she must have existed. (laughs) And it would appear that she also had a child with Justinian, a daughter. Oh. Yeah, but we're not entirely sure when. Nine months after they got married. Nine months. Okay, there you go then. What we do know is that Justinian would have been advised about the state of the empire at this point. There were three main things that would interest a young emperor at this time. Well, probably more than three things. I was going to say, yeah. But these are the three things that he should be interested right, in. Right, okay. There were probably many other things to do with his new wife that he was far more oh, interested yes. in. Uh, but no, the things that he should be focused on, one, the Umayyad Caliphate, number two, the Bulgars and the Slavs, and number three, the fallout of the Sixth Ecumenical Council that his father had thrown a few years before. Do you throw an ecumenical council or do you host one? I think host. Well, no, if you host, that means you're, you're, they're all coming to you. Summon. Take part. Some, yeah, you summon a council, don't you? Summon a council. It's a group of people, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say throw, though. It sounds more fun. Yeah. If someone more. said to me... I'm going to throw an ecumenical council. I'd be far more tempted to go. <laughs> yeah. That's true, yeah. yeah. Anyway, to begin with, the caliphate. If you remember, caliphate and the empire were currently in a state of peace. Yeah. After Muawiyah had uh, agreed to pay tribute to Justinian's father, everything had settled down. So the caliphate were currently paying the Romans. Nice. However, in the same year as Justinian coming to the throne, a new caliph took charge of the caliphate. This is a man named Abid al-Malik. Now, after Muawiyah's death, there had been a little bit of unrest, shall we say, in the caliphate. Uh, Al-Malik was actually the fourth caliph in the previous five years. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, a a bit of turnaround. But Al-Malik's there, and he's now in charge. So, with the caliphate undergoing a period of unrest, there was a growing feeling in Constantinople that now is the time to start pushing back. The Muslims are in, in disarray. We can start taking our land back. Yeah, it's taken us years to get this peace and the terror they brought on us. Now let's wreck that and fight back. 
said some. Who made that stupid decision? Do you think Andrew's still alive? Oh, <laughs> yo, he's still alive. <laughs> now, equally, as Al-Malik took over, he needed to show that he would not be pushed around by the Romans. So, things were a little bit tense. Hmm. Justinian liked the idea of getting more land back. He was going to be a tough emperor. That's what he was going to do. Oh, no. Armenia was the place chosen. Although technically independent at this time, it was increasingly becoming tied to the caliphate. So Justinian and his advisors decided this was the right time to make sure Armenia knew whose side they were really on. Yeah, the side that hurts you and cuts you and throws things at you. Oh, yes. Not the one that peacefully gives you things. Exactly. Yeah, Romans. (laughs) A leading general named Leontius. Good name. Yeah, it is. You might want to make a note of that name. Do I put a box around it? Go on. Oh, Go on, put a box around him. He's, he's been boxed. Oh, yeah. He was selected to go into the region and just knock some heads together. Not literally. Oh. <laughs> I suppose that does work, but it, it'd be a slow process. Oh, yeah. Not only this, there's some evidence that in Africa and Syria some fighting took place as well. So there seems to have been some fighting between the two empires. This show of force worked well for the young emperor... And Al-Malik soon sued for peace. Oh, nice. The caliphate were now to pay a thousand gold pieces and a horse and a slave once a week. Once a week? Yes. Well, wow. according to Theophanes, it was every single day, but that's probably not true. No. Yeah, so we think it was every week. Pretty good. Yeah. And see, 2,000 years ago, slaves are just funny. Yeah, exactly. It's not like our American series where no. it's just depressing. Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, more important than this victory was the arrangement made about the territory in between the empires in a remarkable show of what I can only call common sense. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It was decided to create a buffer zone between the two empires. There's an idea. Armenia and Cyprus would remain neutral and tax gathered from them split evenly between the two empires. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? How long does that last? Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the treaty wasn't all in favour of the Romans. Justinian agreed to move a tribe of 12,000 people who lived on the border of the Romans and the Caliphate. This was a, a Christian tribe that had been causing trouble for the Muslims for a while. Uh, they lived in the mountainous region, came down, raided. Guerrilla tactics. Yes, maybe they were all golems. Um, yeah, so a sign of good faith, Justinian moved them, went, grabbed them all, put them on boats and turned them into to sailors. Get off bridges! <laughs> yeah. Ride the boat! Ride the boat! Yeah, so there you go. That happened. So things were looking pretty good for yeah. Justinian II and his reputation. So far, he's doing well. Not bad. Riding this high of popularity at the age of 19, he then <laughs> declared that the payments to the Bulgars, they're, they're going to stop. Oh. We don't need to do that anymore. I fear this may become a problem later on. Well, after all, I, we're the Roman Empire. We don't need to pay the Bulgars. Ah. Who even are they? What? Oh, that big country over there with a massive army. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that one. <laughs> Bulgaria. Some people, I imagine question the wisdom of this why rock the boat we've got the money we're being really peaceful at the moment justinian stood up strode towards the stables jumped on a horse and then led the imperial cavalry against the slavs and the bulgars so he's leading them oh yeah leading them personally but he's net what he's leading them personally like his great great grandfather did and to be fair quite a few of the heraclians did yeah but they probably went through the army and everything they probably rose through the, the ranks and were oh, right. soldiers he's he's just a yeah he's 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 seen glory in war where there is none i've seen things rob well he soon sees it and he sees how easy it is to win 
Oh. Yes. Well, that's not learning a lesson, is it? <laughs> because, and again, we have very few details here, um, but it would appear that he does very well. He he defeats the Bulgars around the city of Thessalonica, which had uh, increasingly become a Roman city surrounded by Bulgars. Uh, so he clears the, the area, and then he enters the city to a triumph. <sighs> What's wrong? I, I, I just think, you know, such a young upstart, all braggy, oh, lead the army, oh, follow me. You know, it's these like grizzled veterans behind him going, who the hell does he think he is? Then they go and win, and his whole army are just all a bit, ah, oh, kind of wanted to lose, just to make a point. <laughs> just wait. Excellent. Just know that right now he's doing pretty good. Okay. He rode in on a white stallion and celebrated his triumph. However, if we can trust Theophanes, which obviously we can't, um, <laughs> on his way back to the capital, Justinian was perhaps not careful enough. And he was suddenly ambushed by the Bulgars. Oh dear. This sounds like it could be a really good story, but all we know is that he just about escaped with his life. Ooh. So we can add the details. Um, on a horse, driving past yeah. a road, literally the entire Bulgar army on either side of the road, swords up, shields out, plain view. He's yeah. just trying past, doesn't even notice them. Yeah, he's just, he's busy looking at his phone. Yeah, yeah. Just not paying attention. Yeah, he doesn't care. Looks up when he hears a... <coughs> he's completely surrounded. Yeah, your spear's out near his neck. Yeah. How's he uh, get away, though? Um, he... His, oh, his general yeah. chops his horse's leg off. The horse drops, his head drops below the spears. Yeah. He then crawls through the bracken at yeah. the side, under the legs of one of the Bulgars. Uh, the rest of the army gets slaughtered here. But the Bulgars start... Like, trying to attack, and there's just a cloud of dust. With yeah, arms, legs sticking out. Yeah, and he's, he's just slowly crawling. Exactly. Beneath, and then he gets out, and they're all still fighting. Yeah. And he just sort of tiptoes away. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's what happened. He just about makes it back to the capital. Despite the uh, slight embarrassment at the end there, the campaign was considered a huge success. Justinian <laughs> celebrates his victory and then orders the release of the prisoners, all the Slavic and Bulgar prisoners that he got. Oh, how magnanimous. He released them into Asia Minor. Oh. Yeah, a land that was still looking quite depleted after all the fighting that had been taking place with the caliphate in that region. I mean, we'd like to thank you for releasing us. However, this is mightily inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, it's, but still, there's farms they can farm, start up a True. new life. But my family, they're all the way in Bulgaria. Occasionally, the Arabs might come through and kill everyone. But <laughs> it's your job to be that everyone. Do we at least get weapons? <laughs> No. <laughs> Human shields don't need weapons. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. All a good success. Um, the Slav prisoners, who are known as the Sklavinians, so that's who you were just doing your very accurate impression of. They I'm good were, with my accent. <laughs> they were located near Bithynia. Okay. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of these Sklavinians, um, possibly around 30,000 of them. Okay. They were settled, and then the local... Patrician was put in charge of forming a special corps of Sclavian troops. Nice. Justinian needed these mercenaries because yeah. he was starting to look at the caliphate again. Ah, hello! As with everything in this time, it's very debatable why in 692 yet another war between the caliphate and the empire starts up, but it does. Theophanes claims that it was simply Justinian's pride that caused the war. Theophanes is no fan of Justinian too, right. and simply states, due to Justinian's stupidity, the war started. <laughs> 
Yeah. But uh, can't really trust this. We do know that around this time, Justinian moved a large number of people from the apparently neutral Cyprus. Remember, Cyprus was neutral. Uh, Justinian moved a whole bunch of people out of Cyprus right. and settled them near the capital, naming the new settlement New Justinopolis. That's a terrible name. It is a terrible name, isn't it? So I get naming it after yourself, but see, Justopolis would be better. Oh no, Justinianopolis. Sorry, I've been saying it wrong. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, new city. And there you go. On, on Cyprus? No, these were Cyprians being taken from Cyprus, settled near the capital. Why would you do that? We're not sure. There was obviously some tension. Uh, one theory is that... Did they want to leave? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we get the feeling they were Christians on the island uh-huh. and um, people who the caliphate had settled on the island were perhaps not getting on with the Christians too well. They didn't like baklava. What's that? It's like, oh, you'd love it. It's uh, yeah, you probably had it before. It's like um, a very, uh, very thin pastry with nuts in and covered in honey or sweet oh, right, sugar okay. syrup. It's very nice. You get it. You get it in Cyprus, I'm guessing. It's Cyprus, Greece, and Turkey. They always oh, fight right. over who created it. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. So yeah, they had arguments about who invented that. Yes. 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 So there was a huge debate, and eventually some people said, that's it, we're just leaving Cyprus. So they left. But we're not really sure why they were moved. We just know what happened at this time. Um, so there was obviously some tension there. Another possible reason for the start of the war is linked to coins. Right. Theothanes claimed that Justinian would not accept the £1,000 of gold payment from Malik anymore because Malik had started sending the tribute using newly minted caliphate coins. Right. It's their money, though. Well... And to be fair, it's gold. Melt it down and make your own coins. Yeah, and this is the problem with this claim. This is why Theophanes doesn't come out across as particularly correct. <laughs> yeah, gold is gold, is it? Yeah. Uh, you'd just melt it down, wouldn't you? Yeah. Form, form your own coins. Uh, but there are hints of um, a sort of snubbing war taking place at this time linked to this. It would right. appear that Al-Malik was minting his own coins, and this was because Justinian had started minting his coins, ah, but new coins. Right. Now, the caliphate used Roman coins. They were all over the place. It yeah. made sense to use them, and the old Roman coins were fine. They were just gold discs with the emperor's face on. That's not a problem. Yeah. Justinian, however, started his new coins, and they had an image of Jesus on them. Okay. This obviously did not go down too well in Damascus. No, being mostly Muslim. Yeah, exactly. So, Amalek, it would appear, just went, oh, fine, we're, we're melt them down and we're, we'll make our own coins. So they did. It's easy to melt down coins. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not a problem. However, it's possible that Justinian changing the coins was actually done in retaliation of the papyrus reform that Amalek had ordered previously. Now, Romans got most of their papyrus from Egypt, yeah. which is no longer in the empire, so they had to buy oh. it from the caliphate. Oh, no. Now, under Malik's reforms, he ordered that all papyrus due for export be marked with Muslim inscriptions. That didn't go down too well in the Roman Empire. According to one Arabic source, this angered Justinian so much that he threatened to mint coins with insults to Muhammad on them. Oh, you don't do that. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, that's just a quick escalation right there. Now, there's no evidence of those coins being created, but it's quite possible that these Jesus coins were what eventually was decided upon. Okay. You can almost imagine in a meeting yeah. him just saying, that's it, fine, we'll do insults to Muhammad on the coins, and one advisor just went, maybe not. Could we do something slightly more subtle than that? <laughs> a bit more passive-aggressive. 
How about Jesus coins? Will that annoy them? It would still annoy them, but not quite as much. Okay, let's do that then. And that's what they went for. That sounds good. Now, all this obviously is very tenuous and quite a bit of um, conjecture going on. Yeah. Uh, but we get the feeling there was tension between the two empires, and eventually at some point it was going to boil over and war was going to happen it's again. It's like a trade war, isn't it? Yeah, just trading insults. Yeah. That kind of trade yeah. war. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, in the end, it was the caliphate who started the military campaign. As the troops crossed the border, they carried a banner. This banner was actually a large copy of the peace treaty from 688, full of holes. <laughs> just, just in case the Romans didn't quite get the point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the two sides meet in Sebastinopolis, in the south coast of Anatolia. This battle did not go well for the Romans. Bad battle. Oh, yes. This is where those Sclavian mercenary troops I mentioned come into force. Because they were there, and they were an integral part of the battle. However, 20,000 of them, out of the 30,000, headed for the other side. Oh, well, that's not good. That's not good. It's not what you want, is it? Yeah. But, yeah, they saw the Arabs coming and went, yeah, actually, nah. let's, let's go over there. We're used, we're used to killing Romans, what can yeah. I say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not only did this mean that the Romans lost the battle, but it also meant that part of Armenia that they then howled revolted, seeing that the Romans were looking weak, and they lost that as well. And now we get to a debatable point in Justinian's story. So I'm going to give you both accounts, and you're going to need to decide whether this happened, because this makes a difference on how you view him. Okay. Justinian was so angered by this defection and the loss of the battle that he rounded up the remaining 10,000 Sclavian mercenaries who yeah. would remain loyal and had them all executed. Ooh. And their wives and their children. Or another major source claims that all 30,000 defected together, no mass execution. And there is actually a, a third weaker source uh, that claims that all defected, but there are only 7,000 to begin with. So what one of those do you think happened? Well, from the story of him weaving, he seems to one gets angry quite easily in terms of the trade war. So I, I, th I think the first one wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. And that's most interesting. You're going to say you did it? Yeah. We get to the end of his story and we'll see if you still think that's true. Right. Probably okay. not then. Who knows? Just know that there may have been a massacre at this point. Nice. We'll come back to it later in a probium crazium. Justinian heads back to the capital, perhaps having enough of military pursuits, and then he turns to the church. The third problem that he had going on. Well, actually, it's not a huge problem, if you remember. You sorted out in the Sixth Ecumenical Council. Look at you go. Oh, Exactly, yes. yes. This Ecumenical Council had reaffirmed the Orthodox and, and had condemned the Monophysites and, more importantly... Two wills, two powers, that's it. No confusion. No, no confusion. confusion. Yeah. They're, they're separate, but are the same. Completely separate, but completely indistinguishable. You can't tell them apart, but there's definitely two. So there might as well be one. No. <laughs> no. So yeah, monophysites were condemned, and also, as you say, the single will, the monophylets. I've not been calling them the monophylets, because no. it's too similar to monophysites, so I've been calling them the single will okay. doctrine. But just know they've got that name as well. Anyway, early in his rule, so right at the start, when he first uh, became emperor, Justinian had got together a whole bunch of bishops, that's the collective noun there, um, <laughs> and publicly made it very clear that he agreed with his father's council. That ecumenical council was, and I quote, the bomb. <laughs> totally agree with that. Yeah. He was young. That's the kind of language he used. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a sick ass yeah. agreement. <laughs> More recently, linked to the church, he'd made it clear that the Christian sect of Paulicianism. Uh, the teachings of Paul? 
oh yes, also known as the Manicheans, who I have mentioned before, um, were not welcome. This sect was mostly found in Armenia, and they believed Christianity had lost its way. They needed to go back to basics, what Paul was talking about. Orthodoxy. Start. Oh, no, even that had lost its way. Uh, oh, wow. Like, whatever he said, we should be doing that. Justinian ordered that this sect was heresy, and that those that refused to follow the orthodoxy would be burnt alive. Ouch. Oh yeah, now we don't know how many people met this gruesome fate, but we do know that their leader was captured and burnt alive. Nice! Yeah, so there's a bit of burning going on. Yeah. Now his main work with the church, however, was the calling of the Quinisext. The what? The Quinisext, which is... Oh, I can work it out. So it was six. Quinn, five? Yeah, yeah, you got it. The fifth sixth. Oh, wow. Yes. This was not a full ecumenical council, because they just had one. This was a meeting of those high up in the church to iron out some of the details from his father's council, the sixth, and also Justinian I's council, the fifth. Okay. Plus, it had a name that excited everyone. That's true. Because, do you want to come to the Quinisext? Yeah. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Pretty you get there, it's just a bunch of bishops. Ah. Sitting there talking about laws. It's like trapping them in with something, isn't it? And not realising. Do you know what happened to my mum once? Um, she was like, oh, do you want to come around for a, for a Sunday lunch? Lunch on Sunday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sounds brilliant, yeah. Yeah, I'll make a salad. Oh. 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 Salad. Oh, yeah. That, oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. And it, you can't get out then. You've already agreed to it. Yeah, it was just like that. That's how they got people to go to the Quinisext. Now, the, the Fifth and the Sixth Councils had discussed doctrine. The Quinisext was to create disciplinary canons. Disciplinary, you say, I'm into a bit of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Quinisex with discipline. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that you get there and you just realise a bunch of bishops are, are talking not about the larger theological problems that face the empire, but rather were creating actual rules linked to the church. Yeah. It was a bit depressing for those that were trapped, but the bishops loved it. It was time to flex some bishop muscle. This is amazing! Yeah. In the end, they created 102 laws. (laughs) They just couldn't stop, could they? Let's have a quick look at some of these. Uh, One thing the laws covered was the celebration of pagan festivals that were still going on despite the whole Christianisation thing uh, several hundred years ago. They needed to stop now. Mm. In particular, for some reason, the festivals around Bacchus had stubbornly (laughs) remained. Uh, They weren't entirely sure why. It must have something to do with that god. But yeah, it's definitely seemed to be around a lot. Uh, Massive spike in wine sales as well. (laughs) Well, festivals that involved masks... Cross-dressing, public dancing. Public dancing? Yeah, all those things were banned. They were seen as far too pagan. It would appear that winemakers also had a habit of invoking Bacchus in jest. Not taking it seriously, but just a kind of light-hearted, oh, well, hopefully Bacchus will look after this batch kind of thing. Uh, No, stop joking about it. It's pagan heresy. We'd get into trouble then when we talk about Jupiter. Exactly. None of that. Definitely none of that. Uh, The practice of jumping over bonfires in front of houses on a full moon was also banned. Fair enough. Health and safety. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So imagine lots of people going, is anyone doing that? I, I saw Jeff a few weeks ago, but <laughs> he's been in hospital ever since. That was just him trying to go to the shops and then he <laughs> accidentally set fire to his doorstep and then he ran back into the house to get some water, but then he remembered that he was going to the shop to buy the water, so he ran back out and jumped back over the bonfire. Yeah. Then he realised he hadn't actually got his keys, so he couldn't leave the door. So he ran back in, jumped over, and then realised, well, obviously he can get out because he'd just been out, so he jumped back. Mm. And, he, and he's quite an aficionado of the, the night sky. He goes, oh, full moon! He kept saying that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that was banned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they tried to just ban Jeff, but it didn't work. <laughs> you can't ban Jeff. <laughs> Law 94 stopped the use of heathen oaths. Okay. People were clearly saying, by Jove, a lot. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Law 71 seemed to have been firmly directed at students. <laughs> Go on. Students of the law were not to wear clothing contrary to the general custom, and they were to stop wasting time at theatrical and athletic events. <laughs> stop messing about being a student and learn something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> stop drinking. Fortune telling was to go, none of that, as was the selling of bear hair and other pagan amulets. Bear hair was apparently quite popular. Okay. Yeah. Do they celebrate Christmas? It's a big that's a question. It's you know what? Pagan. It's like it's myth Mithras, isn't it? I don't know what's going on with Christmas at this time. I've never thought to look into it. I'll look into it. Or mm. we'll just ask Pontifex. Okay, let's just do that. Pontifex. Yeah, let's know. <laughs> yeah, the year is six eight what? Six, uh, uh, we're six nine. Oh, they, they can do that work. Six nine two. Justinian two's reign. What were they doing for Christmas? Yeah. Cheers. Right. The uh, the crackdown in these laws was not just aimed at pagans, uh, but Jews were also targeted. You were excommunicated if you were found to have eaten Jewish unleavened bread. That's it. Excommunicated. If you it received... was a mistake. <laughs> If you received Jewish medicine, you're gone. I almost died. It saved my life. If you had a bath with a Jew... She was pretty. <laughs> public baths rather than just... Ah, OK. Yeah, um, yeah then excommunicated. So, oh, dear. Yeah. Quite dramatic. So, generally, Christianity good, pagans, Jews bad, was the general thought of, of the quinisext. Well, at least we don't have those beliefs anymore. <laughs> However, some of the laws were directed at Christians... As literally every generation thinks, there was a worry that moral standards were declining with these young'uns around. Of course. Uh, Law 75 forbade rowdy singing in churches. Law 76 stated no food or drink in the church. Law 80... That was a... You know that was a caretaker. Yeah, definitely. He just sweeping at the back said, No food or eating in church! Yeah, like that one, put that one on. Bloody students. Yeah. Law 88 said no animals could be taken into a church. (gasps) Oh, Easter bunny! Unless in a real emergency. Oh, what? Yeah, if there was an emergency, you could take an animal into a church. <laughs> My God, the spy is falling! Fetch the goats! <laughs> Fortunately, there was an example given here, otherwise I would have been very confused. If you were taking shelter from a storm... Okay. ...you could hoist your pig under your arm and run into a local <laughs> church. So that was fine. Law 96, banned wigs. Oh. Apparently, wigs were in fashion at this time with men and women... Which is really weird. You just don't think of Romans and no. wigs, do you? But yeah, wigs were in fashion and the church didn't like it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess it's part of that dressing up and... Yeah, you know. I, mean, I don't know what style the wigs were. Let's say... Let's say Georgian. Let's just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, massive... Judge wigs. <laughs> yeah, men wore judge wigs and the women wore massive Georgian towering yes. wigs. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, everyone was... They loved these Omen 2 laws. They were brilliant. Uh, they all finished. They praised Justinian heavily for keeping the morals of the empire intact, claimed he was the 
best things since the first Justinian and Constantine himself. Yeah. Yeah, he was wonderful. We don't know how heavily these rules were enforced in the Empire or even in the capital, but some historians speculate that the enforcement of the Quinisext rules was perhaps one reason for the plummeting popularity of the Emperor. It just takes the fun out of everything. You're there happily, jumping over your bonfire whilst drinking wine, praising Bacchus, wearing your wig. Yeah. And someone comes along... Can't do that anymore. Can't do that, so you sulk off with your pig under your arm into the church. Can't do that. I'm getting the impression he's he's trying to get control. He, he's trying to assert himself, and he's getting the bishops on side, but not considering the people element. Yeah, you do get that. Here. Now, to begin with, Justinian was very happy with the outcome of this meeting. He signed six copies of the document in red ink and then left space for the Pope, who was still in Rome. The Pope wasn't there. Then everyone else signed, including the patriarchs of Antioch, Jerusalem and Alexandria. Not in the Empire anymore, but obviously there was still a Christian presence in those cities and they were invited along. Legitimises it as well. I can say, well, even people outside the Empire are Sonics. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. You're seeing a separation of church and state here. This was a, yeah. a church Christian meeting. It wasn't a Roman Empire oh, meeting. That's, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all that was done. Everyone signed off. The copies were placed on a wagon. Off to Rome they went to be signed by the Pope. Yeah. Cut to Rome. <gasps> oh, no. The current Pope is a man named Sergius. Sergius. I'd like to think brother of the Sergius from last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Waxy muscles. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was apparently a very talented musician. One of the small details we have on him. Little thin black moustache, I imagine that. His, his talent as a singer had led him through the choir boy stage and eventually to Pope. So he'd uh, done quite well there. It's quite a good tra- <laughs> career direction. Yes. <laughs> So, Pope Sergius received the documents and read in horror, and I quote, I would rather be dead than to consent to the new errors they contain. I just see a lot of singing, though, and dressing up, and jumping over bonfires, and taking cattle into church. He loves all that stuff. Yeah. Some of his favourite stuff was taking a different animal to church each week. Yeah. Yeah. I have a rhinoceros this week. (laughs) Pet it gently, children. (laughs) Exactly what laws insulted Sergius the most is not recorded, but many historians point to the laws that covered whether clergymen could marry and when, and there were def- differences east and west on uh, what the truth should be there. So he thought, perhaps thought it was a bit too controlling. Yeah. So why it, are you making rules? I am the head of the church here. A bit too eastern focused. Ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the laws forbade Christ to be represented in artwork as a lamb. And apparently this is one of Sergius's favourite things to do, was compare Christ to a lamb. Him and animals. He loves it. He loves it. He barely went anywhere without a lamb under his arm, pointing yeah. to it to go, look, look, that's Jesus, guys. That's, this is my Jesus. called Jesus. <laughs> yeah. My personal theory is that it's the law that forbade rowdy singing in church that really got to him. Oh, absolutely. Because he, he loved to sing. He probably ticked the rest off and said, yeah, that's fine. What? He'd sing and then he'd he'd get his, his hand and he'd make... His lamb's <gasps> jaw move, oh. and then he'd sing the lamb's part. It was hilarious. It's hilarious. They didn't mind about animal cruelty. You get though. really into it, like stand on the stage, leg out on the side, you know, really grinding away, head banging sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he did. Fist pump in the air. Yeah, eventually the lamb was trained so well, it knew, he knew its role as well. Oh, it had like a ru- he, routine. They had a routine. Wow. <laughs> The lamb would jump through like hoops and <laughs> play the drums at the end. Oh, it's amazing. Everyone loved Pope Sergius's sermons. Brilliant. They, they were brilliant. I can't wait for you to see the artwork for Pontifax on Pope Sergius. <laughs> You've got to sneak a sheep in there somehow. <laughs> yes. 
Anyway, Sergius sent word back to the capital that he refused to sign. Over the next few months, a stalemate occurred where neither Justinian or the Pope backed down. The Emperor even arrested some of the Pope's most powerful supporters, but Sergius did not budge. I'm nope. not signing it. I love, I love Lamy. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> sorry. Lamy Jesus. <laughs> Eventually, Justinian had enough and ordered a man named Zacharias to Rome to arrest the Pope himself. A bold move. Could you imagine Zacharias getting that news? You want me to what? Arrest the... Oh, the Pope. Oh, have you, have you seen his wax muscles? Ooh. Oh, you have. Right. Okay. And his sheep is very protected. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zacharias reached Rome, but soon learnt that his mission had been leaked... And just behind him, like j- just over there... Sheep. <laughs> there's, there's a whole herd coming for Rome. Lammy has Zeus at the, the head, <laughs> leading the charge. <laughs> but also just behind behind the sheep. <laughs> behind the surreal picture. <laughs> yes. Was the, the militias for Ravenna and Ancona were also heading for Rome, willing to die defending the Pope. Zacharias ordered the doors of the city be closed and retreated to the Pope's palace. The attacking forces soon breached the city. As we have seen, Rome was very depleted at this point. It's yeah. almost like a ghost town. Well, they went up the pyramid again, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, they can't man the walls and the pyramid's still there. So. <sighs> so the troops head for the palace. Zacharias, looking for a place to hide, decided that the best place to hide, and I'm not making this up, was under the bed of the Pope. See, there could be one of two things. Either it's just incredibly stupid or it's genius. <laughs> you just wouldn't look there because it would be just too obvious to hide there. Yeah, like it's like invading army. Well, no one's going to be that stupid to go into the bed. I'm not even going to look. Well, Pope Sergius apparently came and talked to Zacharias. I'd like to think he's still under the bed and the Pope's just peering underneath. Or just lying on top, just going, <laughs> Yes, you're hey, better. Yeah, I'm just, just playing with his Pope hat. Yeah. Yeah, absentmindedly. So, how are you feeling? Not talk, good. Talk to me, Zach. What's wrong? What's I'm a bit wrong? sad. I got bitten by three sheep. <laughs> well, Sergius convinced Zacharias to come out. Zacharias would come out only if the Pope called the men off. Just poke him with a broom handle and get out eventually. <laughs> get out. Jab, jab, jab. The Pope said he would call off the men and the sheep as long as Zacharias agreed to leave the city and return to Constantinople empty-handed. Zacharias agreed just as the windows were smashed and on ropes the sheep came in. (laughs) So, just in time. Poor Zacharias now needs to go back to Justinian II and say his mission is a failure. So he was probably mightily relieved when he heard news that Justinian was facing quite a bit of trouble in the capital. Oh, brilliant. So, things were not going well for Justinian by this time. His popularity had fallen from the early days of his rule, possibly due to the Quinisex laws. Did he have an approval rating of probably lower than 35%? Quite possibly. It was quite low. Embarrassing. Yeah. There's a couple of other factors in uh, why he wasn't liked. Namely, a couple of his subordinates. First up is the chief eunuch, a man named Stephen, who I can only assume was trained by Andrew. (gasps) Andrew had retired by this point, but he'd passed on the biros with the bloodstain still on. Do you think Stephen though is a bit more, um, bit more cool? Like he's a ladies' man, but he can be because he has the confidence to be. Because he's got nothing driving him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Quite possibly. Maybe they called him Doctor Stephen. He said the doctor's in the house. 
Okay. I'm so, Dr. Stephen. I won't get too attached to Stephen. Ready to operate. Ugh, I'm dead. <laughs> He's not going to be around for too long. All right. <laughs> um, and nor's his ex-monk friend called Theodotus. Theodotus. Oh. The ex-monk. The doctor and the monk. That's what they'd call them. Yeah. Dunk. Yeah. Stephen and Theodotus were in charge of the treasury and tax collection, so you can imagine how popular they were. <laughs> oh, yeah, Stephen. Yeah. Stephen liked to use incentives for people to pay what was owed. Love. No, no, unless no. you include stoning people to death as tough love. Uh, I, yeah. There's one story about him where when the emperor was away, Stephen literally whipped the emperor's mother for some offence that she had caused with an actual whip. Okay, so he's not sexy Dr. Stephen. He's just a bit like Calhoun, doesn't say much. <laughs> yeah. Silent. Yeah. Pasty. Now, I did read one history book that suggested this was a translation issue, and by whipped, they meant a bit of a tongue lashing rather than actual whips. Ah, so uh, adulterer. <laughs> I like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's say it was a whip. It's more interesting. Um, oh, no, maybe it was Dr. Stephen, then. Maybe it was. <laughs> Who knows? It could have been either. <laughs> Ready to use my whip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, another incentive apart from that that yeah. the <laughs> two men employed was to hang men over slow-heated chaff heaps, slowly roasting them to death. Yeah, that's not very nice. It's really not, is it? I mean, if he's into the S&M stuff, he has to, he has to stop somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just forgot their safe words. <laughs> Pineapple! Pineapple! Banana! Banana! No... Right, it should be noted that it appears that these two men are accused of committing these atrocities by the powerful elite of Constantinople, and that was exactly who they were targeting. It appears that Justinian was attempting to get the rich to pay their fair share, and this might be one reason why they get such a bad reputation. Ah, yeah, so history does not look down on them kindly. There's one interesting accusation against them, and that was that they locked people up for years. This is a a reminder that the Romans didn't have prisons like we do today. Uh, They didn't lock people up. They would have found our prison-obsessed justice system uh, bizarre, probably cruel and unusual, to be honest. Yeah, we prefer to throw them into a a pit and eaten by lions. It's so cruel locking them away for 20 years. At least it's it's quick. It's over with. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, by this point, it appears Justinian had annoyed the common people with his quinisext laws and the rich and the powerful with his finance ministers. So it's only a matter of time before something happens. A few years previously, the general, Leontius, remember him? Yeah. He'd been thrown into prison. We don't know why, but Justinian locked him up. But then, after a couple of years, he was released, and given charge of an army and sent off to central Greece to, to go and look after the area. That's good. Get yeah. Get army. But he's uh, possibly not happy about being locked up. No. So yeah. don't you dare take your revenge on me with that massive army I've given you. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do. Well, there's sharp knives and things. Now, we don't know why this happened, but it was certainly a move that Justinian would soon live to regret. Ah. Oh, yes. One night in the capital, rumour started to spread. Justinian was planning to massacre the entire city. What? He had gone completely insane, went the rumour. Then people started to hear how the patriarch, who at this point is a man named Kalinikos, uh, he was at the Hagia Sophia, where you'd expect, speaking 
So, the crowd kind of moved towards the great church. What was going on? Kalinikos claimed that Justinian was planning to kill him and everyone else in the city. He had to be stopped. He'd gone mad. But not by me. I'm the patriarch. Obviously, I don't want to be emperor. But I know the perfect man, said Kalinikos. Leontius. The general. Massive he, army. He would make the perfect emperor. And oh, who happens to be just here, standing next to me? Oh, hello. Oh, brilliant. And then the chant started, dig up Justinian's bones. Which uh, is a literal translation that doesn't work. But it basically means down with Justinian. So they start chanting down with Justinian. Those paying attention would have noticed that the blues, the blues and the greens are still around. We just don't hear about them as much. Uh, the blues were chanting first and chanting loudest. But soon enough, everyone's chanting. Well, then it's a competition with the Greens. Exactly. We'll chant louder. Exactly. We'll chant louder. We will. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the details, but the palace would have been stormed at some point. Either the guards turned or were overwhelmed. We don't know. Justinian was captured and kept overnight. The next morning, the great-great-grandson of the great Heraclius was taken to the Hippodrome, the last of his line. Oh. Behind him was Stephen and Theodotes. His two henchmen were bound by the feet and dragged out of the stadium. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> dragged through the streets and were burnt to death. At least he went the way he wanted. Exactly. Justinian then would have looked up at Leontius sitting in the emperor's chair. Leontius claimed that as he was such good friends with Justinian's father, he would spare Justinian's life. I won't kill you, Justinian. The 26-year-old Justinian was then held in place as a knife was pressed against his nose. <gasps> his nose was then cut off his face. Oh. His tongue was then pulled out. Oh. Not completely, but enough for them to slice it with a knife. So they sort of grabbed it with pliers and sliced it. Off or just like put a big cut in it? Not off, as we'll find out. But yeah, they just the slice it. Bit. They, they, I think they just slice like vertically down on his tongue. Oh, like a vampire tongue. Thing. Yeah, a bit like that. That's quite cool. <laughs> One account has Justinian passing out through lack of blood after this. And Pain. then being dragged from the Hippodrome. Oh. The crowd cheering his downfall. And there we go. Justinian is deposed. Leontius is emperor. But we're going to continue with Justinian's story uh, because he's not actually dead yet, so we'll just get to the end of his life. All right. Yeah, because he, he doesn't bleed to death. Okay. Which does happen quite a lot, apparently, when you cut someone's nose off in this day and age, but he survives. Now, once he became aware of his surroundings once more, he was either on his way to a town called Cherson, or he was told he was about to leave. We're not sure. But he's going into exile. Cherson was a city or a town on the very outskirts of the empire. The name itself was almost synonymous for a very far away, distant, desolate place. We have actually come across Cherson before. It was where uh, Pope Martin was sent in Constantu's episode. Remember when the Pope was exiled to death? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he went to Cherson. Okay. It was a, a typical exile place. It's in the Crimea on the north shore of the Black Sea. So that's that's where we are. Wild West, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a few ranches. Yeah, exactly. Wood, wooden sh shanty town. It's, it's like the Wild West, but colder. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, before the Pope Martin died, he commented on the desolation of the place, claiming that Cherson had heard of bread, but had never seen it. So the people they've never heard of bread. They've heard of but never see bread. Yeah, it's a bit. Wow. A bit foreign. <laughs> it's a bit out in the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's not the heart and soul of the empire. Let's just put it like that. I've heard it. Bread never had it. <laughs> yes. What do you think, wife, sister, mother? <laughs> <laughs> was the first thing Justinian heard when he arrived. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> Squeal like a pig. <laughs> well. He arrives in the town. He was free to go wherever he pleased, but he was not to leave the town. That was made clear to him. To begin with, he wouldn't have been able to uh, because he was recovering from his wounds to his nose and his tongue, <sighs> which would have taken several months. As it turned out, the cut to his tongue wasn't actually that bad. I imagine in the heat of the moment, he just got cut rather than it being completely sliced. Yeah. <sighs> and it did heal, and he was able to talk perfectly well afterwards. But obviously, the nose was fully gone. <sighs> this is where he gets his nickname, Rhinocopmenos. Rhinocopmenos? I'm butchering the pronunciation, but Justinian knows. Yeah. No nose. Yeah. Nice. Now, it's likely he would have lived in a monastery, although there's no indication that he was bishoped or monked. Um, he just lived in the monastery. Charity. Whilst he was there, he befriended an abbot named Cyrus. Oh, that's a good name. It is a good name. Also, he seemed to grow a bit of a following. The young men in Cherson would come and hear the ex-emperor talk about his days of glory, fighting the Bulgars and the Arabs, and how he had been deposed by the traitor Leontios. Yeah. So, yeah... It's not the most exciting town. Of course, you're going to get untaught to the ex-emperor with no nose. Yeah. It makes sense. Justinian would often talk about reclaiming his throne, a story that no doubt amused the leaders of the town. Although Cyrus is said to have not only believed the ex-emperor, but also agreed with him and said to the emperor that this was foretold to happen, which I'm sure Justinian would have loved to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't worry, you'll get your throne back one day. When he heard how the empire had lost Carthage, Justinian perhaps would have raged that this wouldn't have happened under him. <laughs> Although, when news reached the out-of-the-way town that Leontius had been deposed himself, oh. Justinian probably would have smiled a bit. Ah! Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. A lowly Germanic naval officer had taken the throne and renamed himself Tiberius. Oh, dear. Now, having Leontius on the throne was bad enough, but who on earth was this Tiberius? Why should he be emperor when the great-great-grandson of Heraclius himself was alive? Increasingly, Justinian was talking this way, in a very loud voice, angrily berating everyone yeah. around him. So well, much Fair enough. He, he spent his whole life, his whole legacy is based on being the emperor. Yeah. He's just yeah. snatched away from because he's an idiot. So. <laughs> well, the leaders of Cherson heard his rantings and decided, you know what, this is too dangerous to keep this exile alive in the city. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So they had a meeting. Do we kill him now? Or do we send him to Tiberius and let him deal with it? Because this could get messy. We've got an ex-emperor still alive here. What should we do? So they're, they're sitting around with their nibbles, debating the pros and the cons. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. And then suddenly someone bursts into the room. Shocking news. Hello! I have news! <laughs> this is Roger's trainee. Yeah. <laughs> this is Darren. No style. No, no. Very, he, he, he trains to be an actor. Yeah. Quite a while, but he's just far too dramatic. R Roger keeps him in the the very far northeast east yeah. of the empire because, uh, bit yeah, one day maybe, but not just yeah, yet. No, not yet. Yeah, it was uh, Darren, was it? Darren, yeah. Yeah, Darren lets them all know that someone had learnt of the decision being made in the meeting and had tipped Justinian off. They've heard, my God, they've all heard. <laughs> Justinian. Realising the danger he was in, fled the city and headed north into the land of the Goths. 
Ooh. Now, these were Goths that had not moved into Europe, but had remained in this region of the world. So they're related to the Ostrogoths and the Visigoths. Straight. Yeah, uh, but they, they've been separate for generations. And in this region was a town called Doros. And this is where Justinian, all alone and very recognisable, heads to. He sits down whilst he's in Doros. Wipes his nose. Wipes his nose. Or lack of. Sits on a bench, feels a bit sorry for himself. And he has a bit of a think... He can't go back to the Empire, obviously. They want him dead. He couldn't stay where he was. He was a prime target for kidnapping and ransom. Oh, yeah. In the end, he decided to write a letter to the Kargan of the Khazars. The Khazars were a semi-nomadic people of Turkish origin who were currently settled in the northeast of the Black Sea. So, even a bit further out. They had, they've only appeared in our story once before, getting involved in the war between the Romans and the Persians yeah. during Heraclius' time. Now they're a bit more settled. They've just started the Khazar Khaganate that would expand for the next couple of hundred years. They're yeah. starting to settle in the region. Yeah. Uh, they're a significant presence in the Black Sea region, but they're, they're hardly a big player like no. the Caliphate or the Roman Empire. Anyway, Justinian writes to the Kargan, asking to take refuge with them. In order to make this deal seem worthwhile, Justinian pointed out that when he was back on his throne, he'd be able to repay the Khazars handsomely. Justinian had spent almost a decade in exile by this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he's, he's been there for ten years. That's a lot of bitterness. Oh, yeah. So his assertion that he'd be able to take back his throne probably was rightly taken lightly by the Kargan, but then again, what did he have to lose? Not Might as well true. see what this guy has to say. Might be able to get something out of it. Yeah. So Justinian received word, come along. Come along and say hello. We want to laugh at the hole in your face. <laughs> yes. Justinian arrives at their main settlement of tents and clay houses and heads for the brick palace in the centre. Very, very different to what he's used to. Mm. Where's the gold? <laughs> Once there, he meets the Kargan, a man named Ibaziros. Good name. Justinian was delighted that the Khazars treated him with imperial dignity. For the first time in almost a decade, Justinian felt like an emperor once again. Aww. And the talks went well. And to seal the deal of friendship, Ibaziros's sister was offered to Justinian as his wife. Really? Oh, yes. He's got a wife? Well, we don't know when it happened, but Justinian's first wife is dead by this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it would appear that she died before his exile, but we're not sure when. So Justinian was free to accept this. We don't know the real name of the sister. It was possibly Chikak. What? Chikak. C-H-I-K-H-A-K. Chihak. Could be that. Shack. It might not even be her name, we're not sure, but that is a possibility of her name. We also don't know how she first reacted to being married off to this disfigured emperor in exile. He's got no nose, how do he smell? Everyone's holding their breath, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. We have all been resisting that joke <laughs> all day, and you had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> However she reacted, apart from the bad joke, we do know that she was baptised soon afterwards. The Khazars at this point were pagan, although they would later convert to Judaism, interestingly enough. That's interesting. Yeah. Chikak became Theodora, Justinian clearly choosing the name to remind everyone that the first Justinian had married Theodora. Yes, that's yes. what I was about to say. I'm, I remember that. Yeah. So soon after their wedding, Justinian and Theodora moved to the fortified city of Phanagoria. On the... <laughs> city of what? Phanagoria. It's about P-H... That's still funny. Yeah. Um, on the northeast shore of the Black Sea. I'm now married, I'm going to head to Fanny Town. <laughs> Justinian, too, was always the charmer. Yeah. 
Anyway, the two stay there for a while. Justinian found himself an important man once more. I mean, nothing compared to being the emperor, but he was treated with respect in the city. He was now brother-in-law to the Kurgan. However, by this time, news had reached Tiberius, the emperor in yeah. Constantinople. Justinian was alive. Not only that, the Khazars had accepted him, and he had found refuge there. Oh dear. Tiberius, realising the danger, sent word to Ibizeros. If the Kurgan was to, I don't know, kill his new brother-in-law, <laughs> the Empire would reward the Kurgan handsomely. Oh, I could be more subtle than that. <laughs> if the Kurgan were to accidentally drop his knife onto Justinian's face repeatedly, <laughs> that would be great. That would be wonderful. Then Darren comes along. He wants you to kill him! Murder! Murder him! Slit his throat! <laughs> Let him drown in his own blood. Roger in the corner just shaking his head. This is terrible. <laughs> anyway, Ibizeros had had a decision to make. Should he back his brother-in-law, the emperor in exile, with nothing to his name, or the actual Roman emperor with literally everything to his name. Well, <laughs> you won't be shocked to learn that he decided to go with Tiberius. Okay. Yes. So he sets out his plan. He sent a group of armed men to the city that Justinian was in, stating that they were Justinian's bodyguard. It's a gift to you, brother. Here you go, have a set of bodyguard. It's a dangerous world out there. Who knows? Someone could be trying to kill you. <laughs> Why are they wearing black hoods? <laughs> Secretly, however, he sent orders with a member of his court, a man named Papatsum. Good name. Yeah. Papatsum was to arrange for the bodyguards to kill Justinian once they were in the city. When the man reached the city, Papatsum entered the house of Justinian, sat down for a meal with him, all the while trying to figure out the best time and place for the assassination. Get a lay of the land. How are we going to kill off That's Justinian? dark. Oh, yes. <gasps> Does he get befriended, though? No, not quite, because oh. as Papapson was thinking, how should we do this, suddenly Justinian, who had just got up to fetch something, <laughs> pulls a cord around Papapson's neck and strangles him to death. Bloody hell. Oh, yes. Papapson, after the struggle, is dead on the floor. Justinian standing there with the cord in his hands. Unsmiling. Unsmiling. Nose hole dripping. Oh, yes. It turns out that a slave loyal to the Kargan's sister, Theodora, had learnt of the assassination plot and informed her as soon as they got into the city. Wow. Theodora then had her own decision to make. She could have let it happen and gone back to her life with her brother and await another marriage. Or she could warn her new husband. Now, perhaps the fact that she was pregnant with Justinian's child uh, helped sway her decision, and she had chosen to stay loyal to her new husband. Aww. So Justinian was then able to prepare. Not only was Papapson killed by Justinian's hand, he also managed to arrange the death of the man in charge of the city at the same time. Wow, nice. So he was killed, just in case he was in on the plot. He's doing well, isn't he? Once this was done... He knew he had to flee. After a quick hurried conversation with his new and loyal wife, it was decided she should, in fact, go back to her brother. It's not safe to be on the run. You're pregnant. Go back to your brother. You'll be safe. I will call for you when I'm back on the throne. Ooh, that's, that's, that's arrogant. Oh, it is. With that, Justinian headed down to the docks, paid for a small merchant vessel, and then with a handful of companions, presumably loyal to Theodora, 
he sets out to sea, leaving the Khazars behind him. But where to now? So he's there, night time, a handful of men with him in a rowing boat, <laughs> in the middle of the Black Sea. To the south is the Roman Empire. Yeah. They want him dead. To the east is the Khazars. They want him dead. And he's just there alone in his boat. What to do? Oh, he doesn't commit suicide, does he? No. To begin with, they stayed close to the shore, and Justinian found himself approaching Cherson. Oh, wake up. Yeah, yeah. Fanagoria, or Fanny Town, as you called it, is actually quite close to Cherson, so they got relatively close. They stopped the boat a few miles out of town. Justinian, obviously very recognisable, couldn't risk going ashore. Instead, one of his companions went and secretly rounded up some of his friends. A small group of men came back. Uh, Only five are mentioned, and the group would not have been much larger than this. Among the named are Stephen, a new Stephen. (laughs) Good. Um... And Moropolis, which means foolish Paul or stupid Paul, which is just a brilliant nickname. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's like, did, did you all come? Stephen, Gerald, Sebastian. Who invited Paul? Oh, stu- oh Paul. no, Paul. Was, put that down. No, put, that, put it down. Put it down. Oh. I know I know. I said Paul, but I meant Paul. That's, that's stupid Paul. <laughs> oh. Look, he's, he's, he's licking a rock. <laughs> It's not your pet. Put it down. Look, can he can he row? Can he row? Well, he's in the boat now. It'll take a lot of effort to get him out. So come on, <laughs> let's just go, shall we? So, <laughs> this ragtag group head out into the Black Sea once more. They're going anti-clockwise around the Black Sea. Justinian convinced these men as they were going that he was going to take back the empire. Come with me. We'll have an adventure. Can you imagine everyone else going, that's never going to happen, but I'll come with you for the adventure. Let's, let's see what happens, shall we? But soon disaster struck. A huge storm hit them. Aww. One of the com- companions cried to Justinian, and I quote her, Behold, master, we are dying. Make a compact with God concerning your safety, that if God restore your sovereignty, you will take vengeance on none of your enemies. And Paul at the side, pretty lights in the sky. <laughs> Justinian is said to have replied, lightning around him, yeah. huge waves. Paul now getting a bit scared. Yeah, he's weeping into his blanket. Justinian's standing there at the bow of the boat. I don't know the boat, pointy bit, the pointy bit of the boat facing everyone. The bow, yeah. He turns to his group of companions and says, if I spare a single one of my enemies, let God drown me now. Apparently, the storm calms down after that. Oh. Oh, yes. That's wonderful. Eventually, they get through the storm and reach the mouth of the Danube River. Justinian then sets forth his plan. He's been thinking on this boat, thrashing out some ideas with Paul. (laughs) Oh, dear. There was another group that they could go to. They set up a small camp, and Justinian sent one of his followers to the Khan of the Bulgars. Did he send Paul? Paul set off, and he just walked into a cliff. Into it, oh. Not off a cliff, like into a cliff. Oh, oh Yeah, so goodness. then they sent someone else, Stephen perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this Khan of the Bulgars was a man named Taval. Now, it's not clear the exact politics of the Bulgars and the Slavs at this point in time. The Sclavian region was a mixture of the two, and the two groups were mixing. Equally, some Slavic and some Bulgar tribes were keeping apart. It's a bit of a mixing pot. Yeah. Now, it would appear that Taval's Bulgars were separate from the main nation of Bulgars, so they were a bit to the side. They were still pagan. They'd only recently settled in the area. Okay. Taval was very interested in talking to Justinian. Oh, yeah. The old emperor, I remember him. Go on, then. Let's see, Let's see no-no, shall we? Justinian, seeing his chance, 
Astaval to convince all the other Bulgar leaders into meeting with him. They waited, but soon word came back that no one else was interested. No, no thanks. (laughs) This sounds like a fool's errand. Still, one Bulgar Khan was better than no Bulgar Khans. That's true. Yes, as the saying goes. Now again, Justinian had very little to offer here, but he offered what he had. Future rewards were promised if Taval helped restore his rightful place on the throne. Also, Justinian's daughter was promised in marriage. Remember he had a daughter from his first marriage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, we don't know where this daughter is at this time, but it's likely she's in Constantinople, and it's also likely that Justinian had no way of knowing whether his daughter was able to marry, whether she was already married or committed to the church or even dead. Empty promise, then. Yeah, so this is a hugely empty promise, um, and as far as we can tell, it's never fulfilled. But still, to Val, he's an optimist, so he goes for it. Yeah, yeah that'll do. <sighs> The Bulgars were able to put their armies together much quicker than the Khazars were willing or able to do so, and before long, the armies of Tavel, consisting of around 15,000 men, so not a huge amount, but still it's someone. Bigger army than I've got. Exactly. So they've got their men, they were willing to head for the capital, and off they go. Yay. They arrive in front of the mightily impressive Theodosian walls. Big walls. They camp there for three days and nights. Tiberius the emperor, refuses to talk to them. And the men on the walls openly mocked the Bulgars for thinking they could get into the city that had defended itself against the Huns and the Avars and the Caliphate. It's like, seriously, you've only got 15,000 men. This is ridiculous. Go home. You idiots. Count you all. I know most of you by name. So how do you think this is going to go? Badly. Well, Justinian had a plan. Oh, the Huns had a plan. (laughs) He knew... That they would not be able to breach the walls through force, of course he knew. He had been the emperor himself, after all. He knew all about the Theodosian walls. <gasps> Fly over them. No, the Avars tried that. Oh, the mess. <laughs> the mess. Dig under them. Not quite. Go around them? Nope. Go through the water tunnel pipe things. Through the wells. No, no, you just got it. Really? Because Justinian had been the emperor, he knew not just about the walls, but all about the weaknesses in the walls. He knew all the secrets. It took him three days to find it, but find it he did. Eventually, he found an old, unused aqueduct that ran through the wall. That's a good thing to tell the poor guy, isn't it? <laughs> well, Justinian and apparently just a handful of trusted men, so those that got on the boat with him, yeah. and stupid Paul, Oh no. Yeah, uh, they make their way through the tunnel. Well, all of them, apart from stupid Paul, who got lost. <laughs> It was just a straight tunnel. He still, <laughs> still got lost. Justinian suddenly arrives inside the city, and this shocks everyone. His very obvious appearance, for once, working in his advantage. Because he did have supporters in the city, so he was able to rally them very quickly. Yeah. Panic followed. Tiberius heard news that the enemy had somehow breached the walls. Not entirely sure what was going on, decided to flee, but was soon captured. Goodbye. Supporters of Justinian. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. This is working. I don't understand. By the next morning, Justinian had taken the throne back. <gasps> He's oh, been yes. re-emperored. He has done what no one else in history has done. He has taken back the throne. That's like Jeanne César worthy. Oh, yes. Oh, how we mocked him. <laughs> wow. Not only that, Justinian got some very pleasing news. He learnt that when Tiberius had taken over, he had not killed Leontius, but instead had monked him in a nearby monastery. Brilliant. Over the next few days, the city got to see many sights. 
Oh. Justinian had had time to think what he would do if he ever got revenge. Oh, he's got a list, hasn't he? <laughs> oh, yes. It's like a scroll. Oh, yes. Number Many one. officials that worked for Leontius and Tiberius were strung up on the walls of the city and left to die. Nice. The two deposed emperors were then paraded through the city and taken to the Hippodrome. Once there, they were thrown at the feet of the restored Justinian. He was dressed in the finest gold, red and purple, and, if the sources can be believed, he had a golden nose strapped to his face. Um. <laughs> so, looking quite sane, I can imagine. <laughs> big glowing gold nose? Because I haven't got like a normal nose shape here, like a big round nose, almost clown nose. No, 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 I, I think it was a normal nose. But this would have been strapped in place as well. So he's got these big, thick straps going across his face and this golden nose. I, I think he would have looked a bit scary, to be honest. Oh, I don't know. I think it's just still quite funny. Tell you what. So you got an image of this. Yeah. I won't show you the coin. I have got an artist's impression of what this may have looked like, just so you can see it. Right, go on. <laughs> oh, no, you are going for laughter. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, I, I'd find that scary. Stephen would have loved that. Stephen would have loved that. <laughs> anyway, Leontius and Tiberius, the two ex-emperors, either decide to laugh or not. We don't really know. Probably not, though, because they were dragged in front of the emperor and the emperor put his feet on their necks as a symbol of their defeat. Okay. He then used them as footstools for the rest of the races. Nice. Yeah. Just one foot on each. That's amazing. Then, learning from Leontius's mistake, he doesn't do anything like, I'll oh, cut your nose off. No. Well, Leontius actually already has his nose removed because Tiberius did that oh, to him. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no love lost between the two no. when they're both kneeling down there. No. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Justinian's not just going to cut bits off. Well, he is, but it's going to be the heads. Uh-oh. The two are beheaded. I'd like to think at this point in the crowd was the patriarch, Callinicus. Yeah. The man who had proclaimed that Leontius should be emperor. He'd managed to keep his job. He was still with the patriarch. He is captured, dragged in front of Justinian and publicly blinded. Oh. He is then sent to Rome, quite possibly as a I'm back message to the Pope. Do you remember they had a bit of a disagreement? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He then sent for Cyrus from Cherson. You remember the abbot who oh, predicted yeah. that Justinian would take his throne back? Yeah. Yeah, he was called for. He became the patriarch. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. Even though he's just like crazy sigh. Yeah, crazy sigh. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. I just think Paul was given something. Uh, An apple. That was a bit dangerous. <laughs> he was given a brick, but the brick was in a wall. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> that one there. That, that, yeah, the one you can't quite reach. That one's yours, Paul. You're okay? so lucky. Are you lucky, Paul? <laughs> Jeff got really annoyed because that was his brick. <laughs> what he thought it was. Yes, exactly. Anyway, once these uh, big names were dealt with, that's when the purges start in earnest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He really is quite bitter, isn't he? Theophanes tells us of people being thrown into sea, tied up in sacks, public hangings take place, people being invited to meals and then being cut down halfway through the meal. I think as a guest to a meal, I'd find that quite rude. Yeah. I'd either, I'd prefer to be executed before the meal or after, not halfway through. I will quote Theophanes here. Because of all this, everyone was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most... Um, Exacting statement with her. Yeah, an understatement. 
Yeah, poss- yeah. yeah, possibly. But apart from all the death and the revenge, there was one thing that Justinian wanted, and that was his wife and his son, who he had yet to meet. He sent a fleet to the Khazars with a message to his brother-in-law, give me my wife. However, a storm is said to have destroyed the fleet that was sent. There's a lot of storms in in Justinian's story. Uh, Justinian then received word from his brother-in-law saying that Justinian was a fool for wasting so many good men. And I'll quote here, Should you not have just sent two or three ships? Now just send them and take your wife and son. A little backhanded sort of, ah, idiot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. At last, Theodora arrives in the capital. Those members of the aristocracy who were still alive and not in favour with the emperor were horrified at this barbarian queen coming to take the emperor's side. Not only that, but the boy, called Tiberius, interestingly enough, despite the uh, ex-emperor's name. He was half-barbarian and now heir to the throne. He was also made co-emperor. There was a lot of muttering to go alongside the screaming in the city. (laughs) Then a massive statue of Justinian and Theodora went up in one of the plazas. Uh, That didn't go down well with everyone. By this point, Justinian realised that he needed to do something with the Bulgars. They're still camped outside. Tavel wants some rewards. What do you think is going to happen here? He's going to kill them all. No. He invites Tavel into the city. They have a huge feast. Then he declared that Tavel had earned the title of Caesar and everyone was to bow to him. And he forced them to do so. (laughs) Yeah, this is a Bulgar being named Caesar. Ooh. People are not happy about this at all. Tavel was then given gold, silks, jewels and the like. The Bulgars would have seen this as a tribute Justinian would have wanted it to have been seen as payment to a Caesar who now ruled over the Bulgars. However, despite um, the Bulgars being really happy with their payment, it wasn't long after this that Justinian was leading an army out of the capital to fight the Bulgars. What is wrong with him? Well, either relations fell apart rapidly or Justinian was fighting the Bulgars who had not supported him. I prefer the latter theory, that he was so angry with the Bulgars for not supporting him. He now decides to kill them. Either way, it's not a good campaign for the restored emperor. They travelled up the Thracian coast, they took a Bulgar stronghold easily enough, but then they were surprised by a Bulgar army as they were collecting food from the surrounding area. For three days Justinian was trapped in the stronghold as preparations for a siege took place. However, he was able to get away under the cover of darkness before the siege was up, sneaking nice. away just in time. The Bulgars stormed in when they realised that the Romans were escaping, but found nothing but hamstrung horses, so they were unable to follow the Romans. Oh, horses. Yeah, quite a gruesome image there. We've done nothing. Apparently Justinian was the first to take the blades to the horses. Oh, wow. Yeah. As you can imagine, this disaster of a campaign did not go down too well in the capital. No. No, he's not making friends and influencing people, but he doesn't care because he's crossing names off his list. That's true. He's got to be crazy, isn't he? I'm liking this. (laughs) Anyway, Bulgars are dealt with. Next up, the Caliphate. By this point, Abid al-Khalid was gone and his son, Walid, was in charge. As a sign of goodwill towards the Caliphate, Justinian realising perhaps we shouldn't just go and attack them, they're quite strong, Justinian ordered the release of 6,000 Arab prisoners that Tiberius, the ex-emperor, had captured. He also sent some workers and mosaic tiles to Walid to aid in the building of a mosque in Medina, perhaps wanting to emulate Muawiyah's giving money to help rebuild damaged churches. 
So there was this idea of cooperation. So nice. Justinian's not gone off the deep end here. He, he is thinking politically. Now, in return, apparently Walid sent back a present of a house full of pepper. Now, whether that is the equivalent of a house full of pepper... No. Or an actual house full of pepper. Two-storey... Yeah. A thatched cottage (laughs) full of pepper. (laughs) How are they transported down the road? On camels. Oh, brilliant. And then they place it next to the palace, and whenever they're eating, (laughs) Peter the Peppermeister has to uh, nip next door, open the front door, quickly scoop up pepper before he's just covered in all the pepper. (laughs) And force the door back closed. And he's the fourth Peter in line as well. Yeah. <laughs> Three before him. <laughs> and go back with his cup full of pepper. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So he's got his pepper now, he's happy. And for a while, this diplomatic push seemed to work, but sure enough, tensions on the border of the two empires continued as Arab raiders kept pushing into Roman land. In 709, a large Arab force sieged the fortress of Tyana in Cappadocia for nine months. The relief forces sent by Justinian were not enough, and the fortress fell. And increasingly, the caliphate sort of nibbled away at the border, taking more and more land off the Romans. However, Justinian was not really focused on the land dispute, because he still had a lot of names in that book of his. (laughs) First up was the Pope. Sergius had refused to sign the Quinisep laws, and he he wanted to do something about that. He didn't take on his sheep, did he? Well, you'll be very sad to know that Sergius is dead. Buried with his sheep, Lammy Jesus. We sad to sadder if like Sergius had died, but the lamb's just sitting at his grave. Yes, no, that's it. He's just Morning. sat on the grave, refusing to move. Yeah, with his tail trapped beneath the headstone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he wants to, but he just yeah. can't. And some uncaring person walks past at night, slightly squiffy, a bit drunk, you know. Yeah. Lamb donner on arm. <laughs> yes. Meh. Poor Lammy Jesus. So, yeah, Sergius is dead. The new pope is John the Seventh. John the Seventh. Wow. Yes. Justinian ordered that the Quinisets document be sent to this new pope and be signed and with a little note that said, or else, I am not the same Justinian that you refused before. Just sends him an, a gold nose yeah. <laughs> in the mail. He was very annoyed, therefore, when Roger comes back. John had refused to sign. Well, thought... Justinian. Time to get revenge. Medieval. Well, that might be a bit tricky, said Roger. Um, John's dead. Oh. Oh, well, okay. Who succeeded him? asked Justinian. Pope Sicinius. Well, send the documents to him then, and if he doesn't sign, we will get revenge. Well, slight problem there, sir. Um, he's also dead. <laughs> he only lasted 20 days. Uh, they keep electing old men. <laughs> um, so, in the Just end... Just send the letter, put it on the desk. <laughs> titled To Whom It May Concern. <laughs> yeah. In the end, it was figured out that a man named Constantine was now Pope. He was said to be a very mild-mannered man. Good name. Yeah. But there was a, a chance that this rapid turnover of Popes was actually politically inviting, and uh, bishops loyal to Justinian was in, were in the background trying to maneuver yeah. things. We're not really sure. So anyway, we have no details, but as the documents were not signed in the next couple of years, it would appear that Constantine, despite being mild-mannered, uh, was not willing to just sign them either. Instead, it was announced that the Pope would visit the Emperor in Constantinople. Perhaps I can't help but feel that's foolish. Well, the Pope heads off. Justinian makes it be known to everyone that you are to treat the Pope as if it was me. 
treat him with high respect. He's going to come here and we are going to iron out this religion problem once and for all. And Jeff puts his hand in the air. Justine just goes, yes, Jeff. What, you mean like cut his nose off and exile him for ten years? <laughs> no, no, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do we laugh at his shiny nose? Everyone in the room going, shush, Jeff, shush. Shut the hell Shut up. <laughs> anyway, seven miles outside the capital, little Prince Tiberius, now six years old, leads the procession to meet the great pontiff. Oh. Yes. Got little boots on, little... His own little gold nose to be like Pops. Oh. Yeah. It's, he's ordered the execution of some of the pets in the palace just to be like Pops. Mm. Oh, that's sweet. Um, anyway, the Pope meets with the patriarch Cyrus and they go through the city, huge celebrations, bunting was put up. <laughs> uh, Feel-good atmosphere. Uh, unfortunately, Justinian wasn't in. <laughs> he wasn't there at the time. It's oh. hard to coordinate things in this day and age. They weren't sure when the Pope was going to arrive, and he was in Nicaea. But a message soon got to him, and it was arranged that the two men would meet in nearby Nicomedia. So, with much pomp and ceremony, the Emperor and the Pope meet. Justinian wore his crown and kissed the Pope's feet as a sign of supplication to God. Wow. Then the two embraced like brothers. Mass was had, and everyone had a jolly good Christian time. That's good. Afterwards, the Pope and Emperor went into a back room somewhere and negotiated. Let's pore over these quinisex laws and uh, figure out what's what. Every single one. It would appear, and unfortunately we have very few details here, that compromises were made to the point that both sides were happy. Oh, OK. Yeah, although, like I say, we've lost the details. But everything's everything's done, everything's sorted. The Pope signs it, it's all good. Then Justinian attacks Ravenna. Oh. Yeah, bit weird, that. So we're firmly in the land of speculation here. But perhaps this is what happened. When the Pope met the Emperor, they got on quite well. Constantine may well have mentioned the Exarch of Ravenna to Justinian. Remember, Italy is run by the Exarch. Yeah. Yeah, has pretty much complete autonomy. But obviously, Exarchs in Ravenna, the Pope's in Rome, there's rivalry there. That's yeah. two political power bases. They butt heads often. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the Pope mentioned this rivalry to the Emperor and about how the Exarch was uh, a bit of a numpty, <laughs> perhaps, was the word he used. So may maybe the Pope put in a word or two against Ravenna. But maybe that didn't happen. Maybe it was another reason. Perhaps the timing is slightly different here and we've misunderstood. And in fact, Justinian II attacked Ravenna before the Pope turned up as a show of force to Rome that didn't actually hurt Rome. Yeah. It's like the carrot and stick approach where you just go <laughs> and beat someone to death with the carrot. <gasps> yeah. It's like, look what we've done to Ravenna. That's not harmed you, but it could happen to you one day. Mm. Yeah, so we're not really sure. Either way, both Justinian and the Pope were very happy with the outcome of this attack on the old capital. This was not a normal attack. Justinian sent men armed with tablecloths and what? picnic baskets. What? Oh, yeah. The men, when they arrived at Ravenna... Remember Ravenna, Lake Town, yeah. but in a swamp. Yeah. Almost impossible to get into. So Use the baskets as... As boats? No, no. They set oh. up a huge picnic just outside the walls. So everyone is shouting out, you bunch of hippies! Huge big... Well, Ravenna's in the Empire. They're not expecting to be attacked by the Emperor's men. That's true. So they look over the walls and they see the Emperor's men setting up a huge party. Word is sent. The Emperor has sent this to you as a celebration. Please come out. Send all of your 
important people. Yeah, this is for the the aristocracy of Ravenna to celebrate. I don't know whatever excuse Justinian came up with. No Nose Day, perhaps. <laughs> A bit like Red Nose Day. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sure enough, the aristocracy come pouring out the gates. Drinking and feasting was had, and then on the sign, the men sent by Justinian turned on the guests. The Archbishop Felix, a leader in Ravenna, was amongst them. He was seized. Those that were not murdered on the spot were sent back to Constantinople, whilst the troops entered the city and burnt it to the ground. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. Felix, so the Archbishop... And the others who were sent to Constantinople were dragged in front of the emperor, looked up at his golden nose. He was sat (laughs) on a golden throne, wearing a headdress of golden pearls, apparently. It's here he ordered them all to be executed. He then changed his mind about the archbishop at the very last moment. Oh no, wait, wait, wait. We won't kill him. Instead, he set him in front of a silver dish. The silver dish was heated until it was glowing. Then vinegar was poured into the dish and Felix was forced to stare into this, I'm guessing from above, so the fumes Mm. rose. He stared into this until his eyesight was destroyed and that's how he was blinded. So I can only assume that's how Mm. the patriarch was blinded earlier on. So acid burns. Yeah, nasty. Vinegar was that strong, I guess it is. Burn it. Put your eyes next to it. Hold it there long enough. It's it's going to do some damage. Let's try it. Let's try it next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Still, Justinian, looking in his little book of revenge, realises there's still one more thing he needs to do, and that is Cherson, his home in exile. Now, we have even fewer details on this than we do with Ravenna, but if we can believe the sources, he sent an army to the town in an act of simple revenge. Their orders were to go there and kill everyone. Men, women, children, didn't matter who, just go and wipe out the town. Whether this is true is debatable, Mm. that's what the sources say. Mm. Now there's a chance that actually this is part of a war that was being set up against the Khazars and his brother-in-law, because he certainly wasn't happy with them either. Yes, maybe this was all part of that. Anyway, Cherson was taken easily enough, and the sources report that people were roasted alive, and the children were drowned in the sea. Again, though, this is suspect. The same source states that 7,300 prisoners were put on ships to be taken back to the capital. However, they sank in a storm. Bloody storm. Yeah, I know. Just don't go on the Black Sea. It's it's, a death trap. It is. When Justinian heard this news, apparently he simply smiled. Now, unless Justinian has gone completely mad at this point, this seems very unlikely. He's just lost a fleet. He wouldn't be happy. But apparently he, he was, he's just gone off the deep end. Mm. Still, something happened in Cherson. Whether this mass execution happened or not, we're not sure. But there was definitely some kind of fighting. Cherson realised that they need to do something about the, the emperor before he decided to take his anger out on them again. So the survivors called for help. And the only place they could think to turn to caliphate. was not the caliphate. Oh. But the Kagon of the Khazars. Oh, of course, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, Ibaziros sent troops, enough to convince the Roman soldiers loyal to Justinian still in Cherson that perhaps they were not so loyal after all. <laughs> a soldier called Varden, an easygoing officer apparently, changed his name to Philippicos nice. and was declared emperor. Oh. Justinian was furious, so he sent more men to the town of Cherson, and a siege took place. But when reinforcements from the Khazars turned up, Justinian's forces had a choice, either return to the capital empty-handed and tell Justinian they had failed, 
or realised they weren't so loyal after all. Suddenly, Philippikos had a lot more men. Oh, hello. Justinian receives this news around the same time as he hears that Armenia was revolting. <laughs> and it was a terrible place, isn't it? Now, Philippikos was half Armenian, and Justinian possibly thought that the revolts were linked to Philippikos's yeah. revolt. Oh, dear. So, he sets out to put the revolt down. But Justinian soon realises he's made a mistake. News reaches him that Philippikos was not in Armenia at all. The revolt had nothing to do with him. Philippikos had heard that Justinian had left the capital, so made his way to Constantinople and simply walked in. My empire now. Justinian doesn't have many friends. No. Now, in Constantinople, Justinian's mother and his son, Prince Tiberius, had fled to a church hoping for sanctuary. Yeah. Theodora's not mentioned, so presumably she's died. Ah. Yeah. Two agents of Philippicus found the emperor's mother and son hiding in this church. The mother fell to her feet and begged the men not to kill her grandson. One of the men stepped forward towards the boy who was clutching the leg of a table with one arm and holding the cross in another. The man took the cross from the boy and placed it on the table. He then took the amulets that the boy wore and placed them on himself. They were worth a bob or two. Then he lifted the boy up, stepped outside to the steps leading up to the church, where a crowd had gathered. He then held out the prince with one arm and slit his throat with the other. That's a look of horror for the listener's benefit there on Jamie's face. Bloody hell. Yes. Tiberius is dead. Now, Justinian would not have heard about this, but when we make the film, he's definitely going to have heard about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The a rage scene. Oh, yes. Because Justinian is told of Philippicus's take in Constantinople. He swings round, flies back towards the capital, and I will quote the Athanes here, roaring like a lion. <laughs> Soldiers turn around, what are you doing, sir? Wait, well, it works quite well in a kind of... But not, you, for, not for four days. Yeah, though. you've got days of travel here. Yeah. I mean, you're going you're gonna to get lightheaded for a start. <laughs> yeah. You're going to fall off your horse. Yeah, yeah. And then your nose falls off. Oh, that's You're trying to find it. Oh, it's just Arrgh, a pain. my nose. <laughs> anyway, Justinian gets closer to the capital. He's about 12 miles out when some of Philippicus's men approach them. They loudly announced that anyone who deserts the no-nosed emperor would be given a pardon. Justinian's men kind of look at each other and whistle a bit <laughs> and kind of shuffle away. <laughs> <laughs> Not seeing anything over here. <laughs> yeah, most could see which way the wind was heading and they fled. Now, with just a handful of loyal men, the emperor was soon overpowered. One of Philippicus's generals a man named Hylios stepped forward. Justinian, apparently, upon hearing of Cherson's revolt, had killed Hylios's entire family. So Hylios was not best pleased with the emperor. This, yeah. this is full-on Macduff in Macbeth moment, this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hylios steps forward and with one stroke removes the head of Justinian. Justinian is dead. And there you go. That's Justinian's life. That's awful. <laughs> That's what action packs. I was, I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not what you're expecting to begin with. Certainly not, no. Uh, yeah, I genuinely don't think we have ever come across as action packed a story from any emperor so far. No. 
I mean, so much going on. That that moment when he's strangling a man in a room with a cord, and then he's on the boat on his own, trying to figure out where to go. Then he's crawling through the tunnels. Yeah. Back, he, he breached the walls. He invade, He's the first person to invade Constantinople. Not quite true, but... No, you know. <laughs> well, let's say it because it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just the revenge and the... Per- and oh, the blood and the, the heads blood. and the hanging people. And, and he doesn't have a nose. Oh, it's all got old. Yeah. Should we rate him? Fightius Maximus. Do you think he's going to score higher than you originally thought? I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were you were waiting to think that he was going to be a disappointment. Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. you really were. I was expecting a short episode, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. I didn't give you any hint of the length of this no. episode, did I? No. No. Did you notice that all the way through my subheadings in my notes um, kept referring to the fact he was about to die? Because I know you sometimes look at my notes and I didn't want it to no. be ruined. No, no. Do you know what? I... I know I glance at your pad, but I'm actually I can't read what's on the pad. Oh, that's the writing's right, too small. I can't read. What I'm often doing is looking at the 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 page number. <laughs> see when all this will end. Um, <laughs> but I can't see, read it. Subtitle defeat. Oh. Subtitle the end. Yeah, I thought because <laughs> I didn't want to give away the fact no. that he actually manages to get his uh, no, that's quite his, cool. his thrown back. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we're in Fightius Maximus, uh, as you can tell, looking around the room. So. Uh, we oh. should probably be talking about that. So shiny. Bit of a mixed bag. He defeats the Slavs and the Bulgars at the start of his reign. He also defeats the Caliphate and gets the tribute from them. Those are two fairly major things. Mm. However, towards the end of his reign, he lost against the Bulgars and he's losing land to the Caliphate. So there's that. I'd say... 50-50. I'd say slightly better than worse. Um, some of that early stuff was quite good. However, oh. that is just his battles. We cannot lose sight from the fact that he was deposed. He was literally a man on a boat with stupid Paul, and he manages to fight his way back and reclaim the throne, which no one else in a hundred emperors has managed to do. And he's a hundredth one as well, so it's a hell of a milestone to do. I am am mightily impressed with that. That's a good point. Okay, I'm prepared to give him an eight. I'm going to go for nine. Go for nine? Wow. He, He got the empire back. After being deposed. I think because he lost against the Slavs and Bulgars and the Caliphate again, that, that puts it down for me a little bit. You can stay at nine if you want. No, I'm going to stick with nine because, I mean, he, he he leads battles as well. He's not afraid to go out. He's in several battles. He wins several battles. So I'm, I'm impressed. Fair 17. Approvium Crazium. Yay. Right, well, he, he's doing well here. Um, this is his round. Should we go back to that slaughter at the start where I said you're going to have to decide whether he did that or not? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, we did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this may have been made up afterwards, uh, but we're going to say he did it. So he, he slaughtered 10,000 Sclavians. He purged the city when he reclaimed his throne. Oh, he did. He was stringing people up against the walls so they could slowly die. He threw people into the sea. He roasted people. He blinded people with acid. With vinegar. Yeah. He stood on the throats of two ex-emperors whilst he watched the races. Set them into footstools. Yes. <laughs> uh, he killed Ravenna with a banquet. Full-on red wedding Game of Thrones. It's... 
I mean, that that's that's Caracalla. Do you remember when he did that? Yeah, that is full-on Caracalla, but with an entire city instead of just a, a host of people. Um, he may well have ordered all men, women, and children be slaughtered in Cherson. He uh, he went full-on cray-cray <laughs> towards the end. We haven't seen stuff like this for quite a while. We've really not. He He did not care about what people thought about him at the end. Uh, he did a lot of murder. And yes, the sources are biased against him, but they were biased against Caracalla. We well, gave it to him. Well, I think we need to use him as well. Um, I'm prepared for a nine. Are you are not going full maps for that? No, because he didn't do things like fight against, you know, the sea, against Neptune and stuff. That Caracalla be... didn't do that. I, okay, screw it. I'd ten. argue all of this is in league with Caracalla. Yeah, no, you're right. You are right, ten. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that, ten. 20. That's a total of 20. Oh, he's... Wow, he's doing very well so far. Yeah. So far, he has a score of 37. Success ultimate. The Empire actually does all right under his first rule. Mainly peace, or when there was war, victory. Yeah. He also is sorting out the church. People didn't like it too much, but the church was happy, so he's keeping the church settled. First rule, I'd say more ticks in the wing column. Yeah. He also builds a lot of things, taking after his namesake. He built lots of churches. He um, he pushed for the ruling class to contribute more. He uh, was very interested in the economy and the coins, and he, he pushed for Jesus to be on the coins, which pleased <laughs> the church as well. So he did all that. Then you've got his second reign. Less successful. Yeah. Uh, that was mainly things not going too well and him killing people. But he does reconcile with the Western Church and the Pope. Yes, that's true. Which is a very useful thing to do. Then you've also got the fact that can you get more successful than getting the Empire back when you'd been deposed. Is that successful for the Empire or for him personally? Because I thought success ultimate was regarding Empire success. That's a very good point to make, but I am hugely... I'll put that more into fight, yes. I'm hugely impressed. I, I just impressive. love that image of him being in a boat saying, I'm going to reclaim the throne. Telling Theodora, yeah. go back to your brother, I will call for you when I'm back on the throne. That takes balls, I'll be honest. And then he did it. Yeah, yeah, he actually did it as well. That's he did it. Um, and then once he did it, he didn't just <laughs> magnanimously sit there and say yes. No, he went full on revenge mode. Uh, but no, you're right. That perhaps is fighting crazy. Less so in this round. But I d what I don't want to do is separate into one one part one and part two. It's like his whole reign altogether. Combine them. Oh yeah, definitely. I would say there are more positives. Ah, but there's one big one that we've forgotten. Uh -huh. How successful is it? when you're literally raising your own cities to the ground on a whim. He did do some good things, though, and I think that is over... He, he is known as one of the more crazy emperors in Roman history. I purposely kept him hidden from <laughs> you, so it would be a surprise for you. Um, you know I don't look stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, in the end, he is usually just thought of as a terrible ruler, and I think, actually, that's slightly unfair. The reconciling with the church... Uh, he was clearly trying to reform yeah. taxes. He did some good building work. He does stuff. He deserves some points. Yeah. But ultimately... I wouldn't say he's terrible. He's, I would say he's heavy-handed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I was being overly nice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him a five. I'm going to go down the middle. I think good, yeah, good and match. bad. Actually, no. I'll, do I'll I, should I go... No, four. Four, I think. Four. I'm going to say yeah. five. I think okay. I agree with that. That's a nine. Image of face. face. 
Well, here's, here's his coin. That's not him. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's his Jesus coin. Wow. Yes. So even back then, long hair, long beard. Well, interestingly, this was his Jesus coin from his first reign. Right. Long, straight hair, beard, very classical Jesus look. Mm. Um, it wouldn't have been classic back then. No. Well, this, it's theorised, is where a lot of European artwork... The, the style of Jesus comes from is from Justinian's coins. That's, so why, this, they, that's why they have a blonde, him not usually blonde hair because it's on a gold coin. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, this is the image that most people would have had of Jesus in the Roman Empire because it was mm. on all their coins. Mm. And that kind of seeped into Western culture. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But what's more interesting is after his first rule and when he came back to his second rule, he issued more Jesus coins. Different Jesus. Jesus Mark II. He had shorter hair. Uh, he looked more Syrian in features, perhaps more, more realistic to how he would have yeah. looked. So perhaps as he got older, he, he learnt more about it and went for more realism yeah. in the the second coin, interesting. which is interesting. Anyway, that's not him, but it's a Jesus coin. Here's him. I, I, I love this. You ready? Yeah. For a, for a first for an emperor, full body shot. Wow, that's disproportionate. Yeah. Um, he, lo <laughs> he looks like he's doing a little jaunty dance. He looks so happy, though. <laughs> he looks Look at so his face. happy. He's got a big cross, yeah. and the big cross, it looks like it's being pushed Stuck into in a, a, a pile of poo or something. Uh, he's just or got a, a smile, he's got his long hair, possibly a small beard there, and he looks like he's doing a slight little dance. He looks so happy. Yeah, probably because he's witnessing his enemies being tortured. Yeah. yeah. Don't forget the image you showed me earlier as well. Well, and then there is the other thing we need to take into consideration. Of course, this is an artist rendition of him, but that is possibly what he would have looked like. This is definitely the hairstyle, the bowl cut, big crown, and... Um, a massive gold nose. Massive gold nose, which is striking. It is quite striking. We have an emperor with a gold nose. He looks like a snake. Well, imagine what he would have looked like without the nose, how snake-like he would have looked. Oh. Almost like a skull. Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you think as he was ordering the execution of people, he'd take off his nose so he looked more skull-like? It's a striking image. It is quite striking. But then, I, to the coin, jointy little happy dancey, Justinian. So. <laughs> I'm stabbing this snake or poo, whatever. Um, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm liking it. I'm going for eight. I like it as well. I'll match that. So that's a total of four for Imogen yeah. Facius. So how long does he last? Which session? Oh, you counted them all together, right? Yeah. Everything. I guess like 20 years. 685 to 695 is his first rule. Then 10 years in exile. Then 705 to 711. Okay. So six years for his second rule. So 16, 16 years. 16 years. That's not bad. Which gives him a score of two. Very nice and round. He's doing quite well, I believe. Okay, so his total score then. And just to remind you, at the moment, Heraclius is in the lead with 53.88. And right. second place is Aurelian with 52.13. And Constantine is third with 51.88. Go on, what did he get? Justinian 2. Justinian yeah. Nonos gets 52. Wow! Zero, zero, which puts him in third place. Oh my goodness. That means he beat Justinian. He beat, he beat Justinian I. Wow. He beat Constantine the Great. Oh, my goodness. He is... It, our top three is now Heraclius, Aurelian, Justinian II. I'm genuinely surprised. Oh, yeah. Do you remember at the start of the episode when you mocked the idea that he might get Jeanne César? Should we talk about it now? Yeah. <laughs> Do they have a certain Jeanne César? Now, we don't have a silver screen round, uh, like our American podcast. No. But, I mean... What this, a story. 
it's just amazing. I mean, he it was, it's so typical until <laughs> he typical. gets deposed. And then it just turns into this amazing adventure story yeah. where he doesn't just find someone and get an army and come back. He goes to the Goths, then he goes to the Khazars, then he marries the Khazar princess, then he foils an assassination plot by strangling someone with his bare hands, jumps in a boat, collects stupid Paul and his friends then goes to the Bulgars, finds a secret entrance to the city, goes in, then just kills everyone out of revenge. I mean, things like that don't happen with every emperor. It's the only (laughs) emperor. (laughs) It's literally one in a hundred. So I think with that in mind, no. I don't think he can get it. I don't think so either. (laughs) Now, obviously, he's got Gene Caesar. See, unlike you, no argument from me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. good good that's how i like it yeah um yeah I, it's, it's an obvious oh, well it's... well done justinian no yeah. nose with your scary golden nose poppers in there. Pop new, new poppers yeah well these ones burn as much as the old one oh fine out okay well done justinian Woo, woo. Hey. hey they got some bang i do and they didn't burn me these are definitely much better. They smell amazing as well. You see? Gunpowder. Oh. 100 episodes in, we finally get our new microphones to work, and we've got decent poppers. <laughs> I wonder what episode 200 will bring. Oh. Who knows? Are 200 emperors? No, we won't get that far in this season. Oh, that's sad. But who knows? I mean, it's, there's... <laughs> it might research again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we might get some new ones. It's a long time between now and the end of the series. But um, I think all needs to be said then is, uh, well done Justinian, and yeah. we can end this episode here any last thoughts very surprised i had no idea i think people will be furious that he beat justinian constantine he wasn't a better emperor no but he had a better story more interesting yeah it's that simple yeah you can't deny that yeah and that is what we are about if someone as always was to stop you in the street and scream tell me tell me about the emperors I'm going to Justinian too as a go-to emperor of future. Golden nose. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. Right. Thank you very much for listening to this surprisingly long episode. Yeah. Yes. This That's is why... what we wanted to record earlier. Yes. yes. Now it makes sense. <laughs> I just thought we wanted to get home earlier. No, mm, no. You don't care about going home. I, I knew this was going to be a long one. <laughs> um, but if you knew that, it would have given away the fact he got the throne back. You see? That's true. Clever. Maybe not. I'm just... I'm, I'm uh, pretty dumb. Uh, okay, fair enough. I don't think I've still quite come to terms with it, to be honest. Right, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please leave reviews, um, find us on iTunes and Stitcher and all those other places. Uh, and uh, what needs to be said then is... He has a golden nose. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. of rules for the new church. Excuse me, excuse me. Yes? I heard this was the Quinny Sexy meeting. Why are you wearing that leather costume? I, I think there's been a misunderstanding. I, is, I, I'll see myself out. Is that a ball gag? Just throw him out. Ah! Anyway, as I was saying, we need to come up with it with at least 20 rules. Excuse me, excuse me. I I didn't want to say anything, but um, I I, I thought the same as him. So I'm just going to leave now. You guys do whatever you want. I was here for different reasons. Look, before we begin, anyone else here 
for Quincy Sexy Time needs to leave. That is next door. Moro, you sit down, Bishop Brennan, sit down. And you, Priest Melba, sit down. But I sit down. Okay. So, has anyone got any idea? We need at least 20, but we shouldn't be afraid if we go up to about 100. The 100 laws? Yes, it's the Christian way. Well, I have noticed there's a lot of pagan activity recently. There's a lot of Bacchus stuff around. Have you noticed? These peasants with their wine. Uh, they keep drinking. Wine's awful. Well, we'll get rid of that. I'm much more a whiskey man. Yes, and just generally pagan, pagan festivals. They were jumping over bonfires outside my house the other day. Jumping over bon... What madness is that? No idea, but put that down, okay. I say. Put it down and... Okay. What about Christmas? Well, no, well, no we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. But no, no, with the mythos. No, 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 we'll keep Christmas down. And Easter with the moon, can we... No, we'll, we'll keep that as the, the bunny would be very angry. <coughs> Very angry. No, that's a good point. Don't want to anger the bunny. Not again. Wigs. What? I hate wigs. You hate wigs? They look ridiculous. Is this a dig at George? He looks like a fool. He's crying now, can you see? George, you look like an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to the quinny sexy meeting instead. Goodbye. Right, um, Tuesdays. What? I don't like Tuesdays. Let's get rid of those. Why not? Well, the weekend's so far away. That's true. Ban Tuesdays. Well, Rattus, I don't like February. Ew. It's all wet, it's all grey, and it's all Valentine's-y. Get, get rid of it. It's not that I don't get cards. No, That's no, not the no, issue. Of course not cards galore over here, but no, it's a stupid month. It's too short. It's very stupid. Yes. Get rid of it. Oh, no, I've got it. No, no animals in churches. No, I think that's a great idea. Oh, but, but what if it's an emergency? What kind of thing did you have in mind? Well, you remember last week when Bishop Longtooth fell over and, yes. and he landed on that duck and it broke his fall and he was saved quite a horrific injury. Yes, it was quite the miracle. Unfortunately, the duck suffered quite a lot. Yes, when, when was that again? That was uh, on Tuesday. It's the third Tuesday of the month. Yes. And that time that I'd ran out of moisturizer for my eyebrows. Yes. And we needed whale oil to do that. And we dragged the whale in. Right in. Right, slaughtered it. I mean, it knocked over the pulpit, but... Oh, oh, it was wonderful. Blobber everywhere. Oh. Yes. Great candles. So, so that is no animals apart from sperm whales and ducks on a Tuesday in case we fall. That sounds like a fantastically logical idea. Wonderful. What else should we get rid of? I've never been a fan of blood. What, like spilt blood? No, just blood in people. What about the whole blood of Christ thing? That's quite important. Well, no, that's, that's very different because that's not blood. It's wine. But we've banned that as well. Well, let's just say the blood of Christ is now whiskey. Wonderful idea, old chap. Wonderful. Speaking of which, just going to pour myself some blood now. Why don't we just ban one of the wells? What? 
If they're indistinguishable, we might as well put them together to make what? No! Heresy! Heresy! Get it, lads! It'd be like some sort of, oh, it'd be like a, a reality TV show. A bit like that, what's one of the turn the lights off? Take me out. You know what I'm talking about, Rob. Don't I, you don't. I definitely do. You're a massive fan of the show. That's that programme where there's men and women and yeah. they have to take each other out. Yeah. But like dates, not assassinations. Yeah. There's all the women stand at the back with lights on and the guy <laughs> talks about himself. But like Christmas lights. Yeah, a little bit. Right, And okay. then they, they turn the light off if they're not interested anymore. Oh, and, that's and really sad. If, if there's... No, no, I've seen this. Told you. I have seen it. I saw told one you. episode yeah, around you. my mum's house, and you know what was really, really, really weird? What? I knew the guy who was on it. Really? Yeah, not like personally. The week before, I'd gone to Warwick Castle, and it was the guide to Warwick Castle. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not oh, making wow. this up. The guide to Warwick Castle was on that... Take Me Out? Yeah. Yeah, on that show. And, um, yeah, I know what you mean by lights now. They had, like, buzzers in front y- of yeah, them. Yeah, you go, yeah. And uh, this guy came out and he said, oh, I like history. Uh, he seemed like a nice guy. And everyone <laughs> turned their lights off immediately. Oh, don't go on that show. I will. <laughs> I host a history podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt sorry for him. Yeah. Yeah. Justinian's forces had a choice. Either return to the capital empty-handed and tell Justinian they had failed, or... Defect. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I thought maybe I'd worded it slightly better than that, but I hadn't. (laughs) I hope you don't edit that pause out. (laughs) Keep that in. Yeah. <laughs>